0: One of the things that makes George unique is his feverish passion for and encyclopedic knowledge and mastery of words. People ask me how I am. I don't think anyone would debate that George Carlin is the most agile verbal comedian we've ever had. I'd like to know how that started. Do you think, is that genetic? I think there's a great genetic marker for language. And then, of course, reinforcement of anything genetic is important. My mother was that way. She would come home from work, and I would bring her her newspaper. I would, I would get her a World Tele, the World Telegram. And she would call me and say, George, come in here. Look at this. Look at this. She'd say, look at these words. Look at how that word cuts. Look at how that word just Read that sentence i read it. See, look how that cuts right through. That word has has power and has impact. What is your favorite word? I have to give you more than one. The musical instrument, the balalaika. It's just so, so wonderful to say yeah. balalaika. <laughs> For some reason, Skylark. Oh, yeah. Is a lovely word, and it course evokes a lovely thing, of course. Your least favorite word. There are harsh words. L- a lot of them are two, two-word phrases. Harsh words like... Dump truck, ash can, meatloaf. What turns you on? Well, uh, reading, uh, reading about language. What turns you off? I, I don't like um, people who are uh, pretentious and arrogant. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Washington was. Oh, the sigh, the well earned and uh, comforting sigh that comes naturally to you. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, the sound of a truck backing up with that beep, 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 beep. Everything beeps now. In a way, I've been waiting all my life for this moment. Uh George Carlin, what is your favorite curse word? <laughs> uh, Motherfucker. <laughs> it has such um, balance to it. If heaven exists... What would you like to hear God, if God exists, say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Now we're going to have some fun around here.
1: Four minutes in 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of June of the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. My processing sounds fantastic today. Again, that's two days in a row. I almost never want to leave. I just want to stay here forever.
2: Whenever you say your sound's fantastic, I'm always afraid to turn mine on. I
1: don't know. Yours is good, too. Is it okay? Mic check. One, two. Tim Riley, how does your microphone sound? Oh, how is mine? We are batting a thousand. It's going to be a good day. I can just smell it. All right, why, uh, hello there, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM nine seventy Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. It five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. 2970 You should uh, join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetchers, two cents, what have ye... It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, who is as hungover as anybody I have ever seen in my life. He's standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Uh, He's kind of in a bad way. His head hurts. He looks like he's about to throw up, and he doesn't want to hear any loud noises. So we are going to bring him into the studio and needle him mercilessly about what he did over the weekend. And then I'm just going to scream at him randomly throughout the day. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to um, join us on the uh, program today. Here's what's coming up. Uh, we will celebrate the life and work of the late great George Carlin, who uh, passed away. Uh, well, you know, what's weird about that Carlin thing, I don't mean, the, the jump of the gun, is that... You know, usually when a celebrity dies, they just say, Passed away late last night at his home in, uh, you know, Santa Barbara, surrounded by loved ones. Very rarely do they say exactly what time it was. And even more so do they say it like right after the fact. But I think he went into the hospital at 5.31. They were absurdly specific about the time, with the sort of clarity that George probably would have admired. And I think they said he died at 7.36. And the weird thing about that is, it's one of those rare occasions where I know exactly where I was. Uh, I was upstairs. Sitting at my desk, uh, editing together some production for something that we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, sitting there last night at 7.36. It's just weird. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, to be all hippy-trippy, but it's just kind of strange. You know, to think that, you know, while you're up there, uh, you know, working. You know, that we lose one of the great linguists. So, well, in any event. Uh, so, uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles today about Mr. George Carlin. Uh, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum today. Here's exactly how the conversation went between Sarah and the CNN guest booker. Sarah said, hey, can we talk to Steve Kastenbaum? And the guy at CNN said, is this about teen pregnancy or Zimbabwe? And for a minute, I was tempted to sort of merge the two. Uh, but I realized there was no effective way to do that. Uh, so, we'll be talking about Zimbabwe? No, teen pregnancy. Uh, what else? Bob Noodles, Constantini will join us today. Uh, we will talk to Peter Carlin today, who will uh, weigh in on, I believe, the life of George Carlin, as will probably uh, the most of the folks who join us in the studio or on the phone today. Uh, we'll also be talking about, I guess, season two of that hideous The Two Corys show starts, which I don't really care about. It's just it's sort of an opportunity for for Peter to come on and spew Invective, uh, which he does with a sort of unrivaled flair. Uh, what else do we have coming up today? Tom, here's the thing. I have failed... I've, I've failed to put together, and I've put together to fail. I have failed to get the top five done. So I was going to do... I went through all of these just sort of back-twisting machinations this morning, trying to find a top five because of George Carlin. I was going to do, like, top five songs about, like, you know, the laughter, the top five clown songs. And then I was going to do top five lyricists, you know, because he was just such a skilled user of the language. I was going to do top five lyricists. I was going to do, like, Bob Dylan and Elvis Costello. But it's like... But once you do Bob Dylan and Elvis Costello, like who who else are you going to do? Like who else can you use that everybody can agree on? I mean, every you can say Bob Dylan and Elvis Costello, nobody has any problem with that. You try to do three other like the greatest rock lyricists, and it just it, I mean, you're going to get rock lyricists
2: get or like lyricists in general.
1: Well, I would say popular music lyricists, lyricists and pop music, and I, I wouldn't even know beyond Dylan and Costello, I wouldn't even know who else to do, because that that because it, they're sort of unquestioned. But it's, every every step you take past that. You're just going to irritate everybody. Nobody's going to have any agreement on it. Anyway, so I had this idea of doing the top five spoken word songs of all time. The top five spoken word recordings. Uh, and so these are songs that had to have been a hit in some way or, or other. Um, but I can only come up with four, and that's not that's a lie. I came up with five, but the fifth one is at home on a 45 record that I have, and I cannot find it on the Internet. So I'm going to look and see if we can track it down on the net, and if so, we'll have five, and we'll do the top five spoken word recordings. At this moment, I've only got four. So uh, so we'll endeavor to do that later on today. Uh, let's see. What else is coming up?
3: Oh, I just dropped a post. All
1: right. Hold on. All right. Oh, it's just massive amounts of giveaways today. So this week, uh, we are giving away uh, tickets to Earth, Wind, and Fire. They're going to be at the amphitheater at Clark County uh, this coming Friday, June 27th. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets. We have multiple pairs of those. And I think we have... Uh, we have the United Champions prize pack from the WWE uh, as well. So, uh, Richie Bristol, will you please to denote uh, today one random caller, as determined solely by Richie Bristol, one random caller will win a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire at the amphitheater at Clark County, as well as a WWE Night of the Champions prize pack, uh, about which I will read the copy later on. All right. Um, well, that's it. And a whole pile of uh, weird stories to get to. And uh, we've got a big announcement that we'll make here in a second. And uh, so uh, we'll bring in Richie Bristol in just one moment. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Well, we're going to talk
4: more about George Carlin, of course, and
1: Jackie Mason It will uh, comment on his past. Oh, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say he was dead, too. No, no, no. I can't take it if any more people die. No. We've got to have, like, some sort of a moratorium on death uh, mm-hmm. for a while. It just seems like they're just going one after another.
4: Uh, John McCain offers $300 million to anyone can come up with a good car battery. Uh, let's see here. A uh, uh, guy who claims to have sex and used cocaine with Barack Obama is arrested. A brave man beats a man named Fan with a fan as he wrestles the gun out of his hands after shooting at cars and apartments in Northeast.
1: Where's the car, a Sedan? We're
4: not sure. I'm trying to
1: help. Sorry. While well, listening to a little song about Jack and Diane. Stop. Stop. Live Stop. Live Stop. 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 No. Everyone now. Stop. I can already see that. That's doing just the best they can.
4: S- spreading wow. like paint. We have to quit that now. There are 16 DUI arrests made in Clackamas County alone on Saturday night. Well done. Ed McMahon is now being sued for $200,000 by somebody else. I think it's that gold digging wife who is who's really destroying it. Because he won't say how he broke his neck. But she probably said, More money for Botox or I'll break that <laughs> neck of yours. Don't
1: tell anyone. That's just our speculation. Yeah.
4: Uh, more speculation did Michael Jackson molest Corey Feldman?
1: We didn't say that.
4: Well, that's what's being asked. Uh, people are asking that. Some people say. Some people say. Tom Brokart uh, temporarily takes over Meet the Press. For how long, we don't know. Hillary Clinton speaks at a high school graduation breaking her silence in the Bronx. A Miami man is charged with illegally injecting silicone into women's
1: buttocks. Well, okay. I want to have a Sunday morning cooking show called Press the Meat. I'm sure there's some lady out there like to do one. Look, George Carlin's gone. I got to try to step it up here as the country's preeminent comedian.
2: <laughs> I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just trying to understand. You want to have a show called Press the Meat?
1: It's a cooking show, Sarah. Uh huh. See, Tim laughed. Sons of bitches. Tim found it funny. Courtesy laugh or not, I'll take it. No, I enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Tim. It's nice of you to say. Uh, hello, Sarah. How are you today? <laughs> Hi. All right. Hey, before we do anything else, let me just Richie, can you join us here in the studio? Thank I would. Thank you uh... for not playing them. Uh, nah. I don't think hey, so I bumped that.
2: into uh, Clyde Lewis last night.
1: How was Clyde Lewis doing?
2: He looked like he was just doing fabulously.
1: Can I repeat that? Well, is it true that you bumped into him at a fashion show? I really did. Mhm. Hi, Richie. How are you today? Who was modeling? <laughs> Clyde. Oh, he was. Okay. On so the catwalk. Uh, I, so Richie, you sound really terrible today. And here's the thing: so you sound terrible today. You look terrible today. And truth be told, you sounded terrible last night when I called you, and it was only like eight forty-five. So I called last night. I called Richie because we'll get to the reptile guy in a second. But I so I called Richie last night. I go, hey, so about that reptile guy. And Richie goes, uh-huh. And you can tell when someone is on the phone with you and when they're they know they have to be sort of alert on the phone call. But you can tell that they're not really sort of playing like I, you can tell sometimes when you call somebody. It's like when you call somebody who's drunk or asleep, but they know they're not supposed to be. And so they are doing the best they can to really sound alert. You sound like
2: Scotty J right now. <laughs> That's
1: right, Sarah. Uh, but you ever, like, somebody call wake you up, and it's like you've overslept for an appointment. And oh. they call and like, hey, where are you at? And you're like, I'm on the bridge uh, right yes. now. It's just, uh, yeah, there's an overturned truck full of... Um, uh, penguins. Uh, and I just, so I'm going to be there as soon as I can. And you're do that was Richie last night when I called him. Um And
2: I really did get stuck on the bridge of the Hawthorne, on the Hawthorne Bridge today. I didn't oh, I know.
1: oh, no, I understand that. Did
2: you hear the annoying beeping in the background? Yeah,
1: but we've all done that where it's like you you oversleep and you're just like, no, I, I did it for a job interview one time. And I called him, I'm like, yeah, so I uh I had a problem with my car battery. And I just, you know, and I'm still in my underwear in bed and That's just nice. desperately trying to sound. So that was Richie last night trying to sound like he had it together. What time
2: did you call Drunken Richie? 8.45.
5: Uh-huh. I wasn't even back yet. <laughs> wow,
1: you sound bad. So this morning, Where were you? Richie comes in this morning and he's walking down the hallway with just that walk of shame. Just the whole, like, Ugh. And I look at Richie and I say, Hey, you uh, you sounded drunk when I called you last night. And Richie just goes, Uh huh. And then just stared at me as though he was about to begin weeping. So, uh, <laughs> would you? So let me understand this. So you went out Friday nights, right? Uh huh. And then when did you go to bed? I didn't.
2: You haven't slept since Friday night?
5: No, I slept a few hours Saturday.
1: <laughs> you just Is this when you drank until three. 8 a.m.?
5: Yeah. When? I don't think I stopped, actually. Did
1: you drink from Friday night until Saturday morning at 8? Is that the deal?
5: Yeah, I stopped drinking at 8, ate breakfast. Well,
1: and of then course, breakfast
5: me, is the most important meal of the day. Wrote a little bit more and then, you know.
2: <laughs> I did a bit of day drinking yesterday.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, of me send the in with,
5: you know.
2: <laughs> so what did you, so were you?
5: Sand Lake. Sand Lake. What? Sand Lake down know. in Tillamook.
1: No one understands what Ooga, you're saying.
5: Booga, booga. Uh-huh. This is Taking a lot of energy. Uh, you know Sand Lake in Tillamook? <laughs> sure. It's the big old sand dunes. Yeah. Went out there and rode.
1: While well, drinking. That's great. Wonderful. No, I didn't do that. Uh huh. No, no, of course not. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that. that. Would be irresponsible. Um. Hey, can you do me a huge favor? Uh huh. I need you to go up to my computer. And uh, upstairs. Yes, up the stairs, Richie. <laughs> oh man. Unless you'd like to fly there. Uh, uh, so, you go to my computer, and in the middle of my screen, there's a little icon that says, I think it's like it says AM import or AV import. Uh-huh. In fact, I actually have a post-it note with an arrow pointing to it that says click. Will you just double-click that icon in the middle of my screen? Sure. Would you go do that now, please? Okay. Okay, go double. And once the window opens, you don't need to do anything. Just double-click it, make sure the window opens, and then we should be good. All right, thank you. Doesn't he sound terrible? He does. He does. <laughs> atrocious. So... Wow. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry, sir. You did day drinking yesterday?
2: Yeah, I went out to the Edgefield um, because I've, I've never been. Well, I've been out there once but Somebody me place ago. is huge. Is it big? It's huge. It was amazing. They have, like.
1: Because they do shows there, right?
2: Yeah, I don't know how many bars, but there are, like, multiple bars, and each one of them has a different theme, and there's a huge courtyard you could sit in. And it was it was beautiful. Yesterday was just so sunny, and spent all day yesterday on Saturday at a um, at a friend's barbecue as well in the sun. Excellent. So it knows it's
1: totally fried. No, nah, it doesn't look it doesn't look bad at all.
2: Yeah, it was it was worse yesterday. Yeah.
1: The Edgefield's where they do like outdoor concerts, right?
2: It's beautiful. How many
1: how many people can even go there like for an outdoor show? I heard it was just thousands. That was massive.
2: I didn't see the outdoor um, theater like area, mm. but I saw the yeah like it's basically like a little small um like. German town. Like Actually, you're walking around it, you're walking through. You can wander around with yeah, your beer. You go in, you know, to different buildings, and it's so beautiful. Yeah, a friend of mine had weird. his
1: wedding has wedding there, and I hear good things about it. I've just never been there. No, you look fine. You don't look. At, you don't look sunburned at all. My shoulders are a little red, though. Can I just tell you this though? It was so unbelievably bright this morning. I got to like black out my bedroom windows or something because it was that thing where I kept waking up before the alarm, that, I convinced that, that I'd overslept. Ah, what time at it? Oh, 6 a.m. 6 6:14. The crap. So it was just it was the whole the
4: whole day of that. Story. I just stayed inside. <laughs> I watched Roll, roller boogie with Linda Blair. Did you really? It was terrific good for you. I haven't seen it in years, and how did it become an American movie classic?
1: Oh no, nothing on American movie classic is actually that's just American movie filler is what that channel is. What else did I see in American movie classic long ago? Did, did, did you know that in it was something absurd I mean truly and truly and and, and absolutely absurd it was like. Jesus, I don't even remember. It was like This Island Earth or something. It was just some awful, terrible film that was laughingly being referred to as a classic. Roller boogie, really? Yeah, it was great. From hey, 1979. You know what I'm going to try to find this week? I'm going uh, Laura and I are going to do a whole theme this week. We're going to try to watch uh, troubled teen films uh, from the 70s and the 80s. So I'm going to start with Sarah T, Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic, starring Linda Blair. So it's funny that you actually say Linda Blair because she and I are on the are on the trail of, a, of of a Linda Blair film about how you shouldn't get boozed up. Okay, and then we're going to end the week by watching Go Ask Alice, the film adaptation starring, wait for it, Andy Griffith as the priest and as Alice's father, William Shatner. Oh wow! It's like if I can find it, I'm going to hit Movie Madness looking for that. If I can find it, it's just going to be like the best thing ever. So. All right, fantastic. What else, I have all these notes about stuff that I did, but it, it, it's, I don't even know that we really have. I mean, here's the thing. Speaking of movies, so it's it's really just a story of what I didn't get done this weekend because, Laura and I had this whole thing we were going to go try to the, you know go to the movies and just because I think we had some free passes or whatever, and then we were sort of looking through the movie listings. And did you ever look through the movie listings and it's just there's nothing you even want to see as a joke. There's nothing you even want to see, like, to amuse yourself with how mm-hmm. bad it is. Like, for most of 2007 and 2008. Exactly, Tim. can I didn't want to see the Hulk. Uh, and I didn't want to see, you know, like, what do they say? Don't mess with a Zohan. You know, the love guru? Oh, what is it no I'm really going to see? No. And so I'm, well, I did, and for a moment I toyed with Going to See the Happening, uh, which I heard, by the way, three different critics over the weekend refer to as the crappening. So I like to think <laughs> that we're out in front of that. Uh, but we toyed with Going to See the Happening just as like a goof. Uh, but at the end we just didn't. We just sat around and we watched No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain. Oh, and then I watched, and then I watched this classic Grindhouse movie. I watched The Toolbox Murders starring Land of the Lost Wesley Urie. Don't be misled. The Toolbox Murders is not quite the cinematic tour de force that the uh, title would lead you to believe. It is, in fact, terrible.
2: That sounds like totally something I'd watch. The Toolbox Murders? Oh, of course. It's like a lifetime. There's
1: almost no Toolbox Murdering. You get like one, two Toolbox Murders up front. After that, no more. It's clearly where they filmed a terrible movie, and at the end, they sort of realized that it was crap and they had no selling point, and so they just seized upon a title that they thought might get people to watch it. So. Um, all right. Well, in any event, so we'll do a little bit of, uh, we'll do a couple calls here. Uh, we'll do an announcement here in just one moment. We'll take a break. Uh, we've got Bob Costantini coming up, Steve Kastamon, James Rue, Peter Carlin, the top five. When Richie Bristol gets back, maybe in the next segment we'll talk about, I think we have the reptile guy coming in today. I'm pretty sure he's bringing an alligator to the studio today. Really? I do believe that is today oh, in the I 2 remember o'clock you hour. Saying, yeah, last week that that was the case. You remember, you say, remember me saying something about an
2: alligator? I remember that. I, now I know why I wasn't going so to bring him up. We need a copy
1: that song, Reptile Eyes, from Zillig. Uh, see, here's the thing. is I was trying to do top five reptile songs as well. I thought of that one, and I thought of Reptile by Nine Inch Nails. And then I thought of Cold Hearted by Paula Abdul. But he he's a cold hearted snake, but it seemed like a bit of a stretch. Well I looked was... everywhere for, for reptile ass and I can't Yeah, that's all I could do. Uh, let's see, we've got great Amy Winehouse news. So, uh Earth wind and fire than tickets. Face. Oh, you haven't heard? No. I got it right over here. We'll get to it in just a bit. Um so let me do these calls, and then we'll make a little bit of an announcement, and then we'll see if all this production that I loaded last night actually works. I are on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, sir, Maddux, as the case may be. You are, in fact, the first caller of the week. You are setting the tone for everything we do uh, for the next 20 hours. Go.
6: Okay, Rick, I was just My name is Kim. I was just calling to let you know that Tanya Harding is going to be on the early show tomorrow.
1: For what? Oh, she's got that book. Yeah. You know, Richie so, has I, tried repeatedly to get her in the studio, and she just she just shies away. It's like we're lepers or something. Well, Maybe
6: it just has to be bigger. It has to be the early show.
1: I, I hear she listens to country music, so maybe our friend's at couple. Maybe if we <laughs> do a favor for couple, Tim, couple will do a favor for us. Absolutely. I They're part think, of the CBS well, family. Think you know what I'm talking about. So that is the early show tomorrow. Tanya Harding I'm plugging CBS. her book.
4: Which is CBS?
1: It is. Yes. It's a proud part of the CBS family. Excellent. Thank you for the heads up, Kim.
6: You're very
1: welcome. Right. Thank you. Right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio program. Hello.
6: Hey, so uh, what are my choices for bread? Hello.
1: Who wants to take it? John, I don't have mine up. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough <laughs> English muffin bagel. Is that really the extent of your call today?
7: No, no, I'm the one that made that song. Oh, really? Oh. Is that you? Oh, excellent. That's hey, for you, sir. Calvin? Is this I'm Calvin? Calvin, so, Calvin yeah. is
1: the guy who actually made the White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel uh, song, which I've gotten multiple. Let me ask you this, sir. I didn't want to do it without your permission because you are the artist. Yeah. Uh, is it okay with you if I make that a download on my uh, on my website? If, if folks are asking for that. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. It's become requested. It's become a crowd favorite, sir. You hereby, uh, you have my permission. All right. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Take care. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. There's that. Uh, let's see. Let me just read this one uh, email here. Rick, I've heard you say this is, from, this is exactly how my life works. This is how my existence operates. Rick, I've heard you say a few times that someone stole your truck repeatedly. I think you even said it was a Toyota. Someone stole my husband's forerunner from Broadmoor Golf Course on Columbia Boulevard today. This is Saturday. It was the middle of the day, and it was parked three spaces away from the building. I was just wondering if you could tell me how long it took you to get it back and what kind of shape it was in. Thank you. My husband is heartbroken. He loved that piece of crap. Uh, It's amazing that nobody ever wrote a country song called that He loved that piece of crap Uh, And that's from Melissa And so the answer, Melissa, is Every single time that my truck has been stolen Which, by the way, we are now at four times, I think Will be the next one uh... it's taken between three and four days usually it's in pretty good shape uh... if sometimes covered with strange hairs and cigarette butts except for that last time when they ripped out the seats so yeah that was just mean good luck with that uh... alright so as we get ready to go into a break now hopefully everything will have loaded upstairs if we were in sort of a little bit of a tricky situation with the audio vault here um, and by the way there are some of this production we put in that we'll be playing might mm. be a little on the loud side okay. so because i haven't gone through and equalized anything yet so as you know so we've gone through this whole kerfuffle, rigmarole, uh, whatever you want to call it, about the station name and the AM 970. And because when we first got here, it was Johnson or the Johnson. Johnson 970, I think is what it was called, because it was a comedy station. And then we sort of revamped it, and we were looking for something that was interesting, something that didn't sound like every other you know, station name. Something it wasn't like you know it wasn't like a kooky animal of some kind. So we settled on solid state radio, which we all sort of liked because it sounded sort of because it was kind of a blank. It was as the as the Romans would say tabula rasa, on which we could just write whatever we wanted. And so I think it's met with uh, I think the theory is it's met with mixed success. Well, I think I'm wondering if I should just tell the story. So there was someone. How about this? I'll tell this story. I won't identify who this person was. But you know that for a long time we've been trying to change the station name. We've been trying to find AM 970, da-da-da-da-da, something else, instead of solid-state radio. Just because I think the operating theory is that if you are just flipping through the newspaper or you see the sticker or you see a banner hung up somewhere for the station and it says solid-state radio, if you don't know that it's a talk station, then you're not going to know what the hell it is. You're going to look and you're going to you're perusing all of the various radio options that you have here in Portland. You're going to look at AM 970 solid-state radio and kind of go, hmm. I don't know what that is. It's unfamiliar, and unfamiliar things unnerve me. I think I'll listen to Lars. And so we were trying to sort of minimize that, and plus, my wife always thought it sounded really Orwellian, and I've heard several people sort of echo that sentiment. So about, uh, I don't know, five weeks ago, uh, there was somebody who I will not identify, but we'll say it's somebody um, very high up in CBS radio management. Let me put it that way. Doesn't live here in Portland. Does not, in fact, even live in the Northwest. So I was in a meeting upstairs with somebody from CBS Radio executive management, somebody from the 212. And so I go in, and the door shuts, and I sit down, and there's you know a PowerPoint presentation about the station, and the general sales manager is talking about the revenues or whatever. So we're sitting there, and this is this guy is I won't identify, but he's the most senior person from CBS Radio that I'd ever met. Uh, actually, until now, he's still he's still the most powerful person at CBS I've ever been in a room with. Uh, could crush us all right now. So it said, let's walk carefully through these next exactly. few Exactly, it's well, totally like a William Paley moment. Exactly. So I'm sitting there, your kids through college. You're looking down at his watch, as as Alec Baldwin would say, this watch costs more than your car. His yeah. cufflinks cost more than my car. So I was sitting in a room with this guy from CBS Radio, and I told Sarah this story, and I don't think Tim, you've heard this. No. I swear to God, the first words out of the guy's mouth, he looked at me, and he goes, Rick, and I said, yes, and he said. What the F does solid state radio even mean? And there was just like this cone of silence that descended like the most, just like the darkest, bleakest, grimmest silence you've ever heard in your life. And I said, well, I don't really know. We, uh... We're going to change it. <laughs> and so that was the point when it was, I think it was, I think it was made very clear to us that something had to be altered. So we've decided to go the opposite. We've gone from the vague uh, to the simple. We've gone from the, uh, I think we've, we've gone from the. Um...
2: Isn't Salt State Radio though, like an old radio term?
1: It well, is. My parents have one of those in their
4: bedroom. And yeah, it alarm clock, and it had AM and FM. That I remember like having one the garage. It means that stone. it
1: doesn't have tubes in it. That's the deal. Solid state radio was something that it was essentially
4: very
1: like modern, exactly. So I think the theory was that it didn't actually explain what the format was. So we've gone from the vague to the blunt uh, in the you know part of our quest for uh, world domination. So I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry. We going to get funny. something ready. So. Ladies and gentlemen, as we go into this next break, I do believe the imaging is going to play. I think it should be ready.
2: This is, it just says the news hour tease.
1: I think, but okay. I think I think it should be that. So we'll, all, we'll see if everything sort of works properly here. So as we go into this next break, we will be unveiling the new name of AM 970. Or as, perhaps
2: uh, when we come back.
1: As Mr. Rosenberg says at the end of V, tell your friends. So coming up around the corner, we have uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Rook, Steve Kastenbaum. Bob Noodles Costanditi, Top 5. Peter Carlin. We will talk about the life of George Carlin and uh, more on the way. Stay there. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio. Welcome.
5: You're just minutes away from the new news hour with Tim Riley. This is the Rick Emerson Show, only on AM 970 Solid. No, that totally radio. didn't work. Talking about the stuff you on, really talk so you about.
1: Dennis Miller. They're off to a flying start. What was that? That was the news. What is the name of the cut? Do you know the name of that? Um...
4: That we'll fix it later.
1: <laughs> I just want to make sure that I know that I know the A- title of it. A twelve
4: news tease.
1: Oh, that's why. That A was twelve. The, that
4: was the one they forgot.
1: News tease. And by they, you mean me. All right, there you go. All right, what one did you want me to put in? I don't know. Let's just uh, let's go into the break, and we'll see if it uh, see if it all fires on the comeback. Okay. Wait.
0: Okay. There go. he goes. talker.
8: Yeah.
1: My whole. <laughs> Why does nothing ever work properly the first time? (laughs) Jesus. It's always like that. You know what it is? It's like how every time we move to a new studio... The first break at a new studio is always just a huge disaster for us. I've been in, I think, six different studios since I've been in Portland every single time. It's like the first day in the studio, the microphone crackles, something falls over, something catches fire. All right, there we go. All right, well, it does sound as though it's working. Fantastic. All right, it's 503 970, thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day, my friends. We will talk to Steve Kastenbaum coming up later on. Also, Bob Costantini. Uh, In just a moment, we'll welcome Jim Roof to the show. Coming up later on, top five uh, spoken word songs uh, of all time in honor of the uh, late great George Carlin. Also, one random caller today wins a copy of Night of the Champions, the prize pack from the WWE, uh, as well as a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, this coming Friday. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nature Boy, Ric Flair, three-disc DVD set uh, also coming out uh, later this week. So be listening for all of that.
2: Can we also just get it out of the way? Hmm. Talker.
1: Oh, damn it. Damn it. Uh, I'm sorry. And, you know, we ha- I have one voice. That's, that's all I can that. think. I barely knew There we go. No, there is one. You'll hear one in rotation that actually does say that. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the awesome show. Hello. From Los Angeles. Singing on Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy, howdy. What's up, brother man? How are you today? You're a little down. Yeah. I, so I was um, I was just talking to Tim Riley about this, and so I don't know uh, I don't know where you were, but I was. Well, first of all, the weird thing I was talking about how I was actually at work because I'm lame. Uh, I actually was at work yesterday. Apparently, when he went to the hospital, and then I guess he died a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just it's just sort of weird. It is it is just one of those. One of those strange things when you sit and ponder that while I was just busy typing away and whatever crap I was working on, you know, the, the, one of the great uh, one of the great linguists and comedians of our time was sort of shuffling off the uh, the mortal coil, and then um, and then I guess last night is when I found out about it. About eleven thirty, I think I was sitting down. I think I was actually just checking my email for the final time. because I'm kind of anal about that. It was right before I was going to bed. Uh, I opened up my browser and I think it defaults to Yahoo or whatever is my homepage. Yeah. And it just says comedian George Carlin dead at 71. And really, it was one of those things. I was talking to somebody else about this today, where I literally saw the headline and I kind of went, you know, and I sort of, you know, you did a little bit of a gasp because, you know, you just don't think a guy like George Carlin's going to die. You sort of think he's, you think he's going to be around, sort of being a curmudgeon forever.
7: Yeah, and you know, you didn't realize he was 71. 71. You know, he did, although he looked, his face looked old. It looked aged, but it didn't look well. It looked aged. It didn't look old. And uh man when uh when I found out yesterday I just went, You gotta be kidding me. Right. You know, it was just really sad because he he truly um a very talented writer, great linguist. Well,
1: among probably the best. I mean I'm saying for me and I know people talk about Lenny Bruce or Richard Pryor or you know, and of course there's the a child of the eighties, a big Sam kittenson fan. But I mean, pound for pound, I mean there's just nobody there was nobody as good as George Carlin. He was poetic
7: right. yeah. in his in his comedy. And it, he even said a couple of times how it took two years to memorize
1: certain routines. Dude, I, can I you tell know? you, the the number of things, I mean, we started, we opened the show every day with kind of a movie clip or a sound bite or some kind, and I sat there, I didn't want to tell you what time I got to bed last night, if I'm kind of loopy today, it's because I finally got to bed around two, I kept waking up because it's so light outside so early, and so like starting at 6 a.m., I kept waking up going, I'm so late, uh, and so I, got, so I got like a good four hours of bad sleep. Um... But I was up till 2 a.m. last night trying to figure out what Carlin clip to open the show with today. And I finally just threw up my hands, and what we did instead is we we used his Inside the Actors Studio uh, interview where James Lipton asked him, what's your favorite word, what's your least favorite word? And then speaking of poetic, the last question that they always ask everybody on Inside the Actors Studio is Lipton always says, when you get to heaven, if there is a God, what do you want him to say to you? You know, Carlin was, you know, died in the wool atheist. Though he played along, and he said, the, uh, you know, he said that if he ever got to heaven and if there was a god, that Carlin wanted wanted God to say, like, you know, now, now we're gonna have some fun. <laughs> and um, so that's what we opened the show with, because trying to discern, I mean, from, you know, the hundreds of hours of comedy that guy produced, trying to find one ninety-second or two-minute clip at to the play today was just impossible. You know,
7: the, th- the thing I found this morning, and I used it in the first rap that I did, was when he said. And so these are the words I'm not supposed to say. Right. Let's take a look at them. Right. You know, and I just used that little clip right there. It was that and something, two things he said in interviews. He was asked, uh, when you die, what do you want people to say? And he says, I want people to say, well, he was just here a minute ago. <laughs> and then he's, he's, I think it was Matt Lauer on NBC was asking him a bunch of in- inane questions. But the one question he asked I thought was pretty good was, uh, did George Wright – to offend people, did he did he try that? Did he say, okay, if I say this, I'm going to offend people. If I say this, I won't. He said, no. All I did was find the line and deliberately cross
1: over it. Yep, one step. Over. About, what a
7: great what a great answer to that stupid question. And
1: you know, here's the, Sarah was talking to me during the break, and she said that. um she was making the observation that the guys she sort of knows, or the dudes that she has talked to, that they really seem to be taking the Carlin thing really hard.
8: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, and let, let's be honest. I'm not trying to be flip about it. People die all the time. People die constantly. Uh, and, and, you know, and sometimes you're sad, and sometimes you don't really care, and sometimes you're just sitting around looking at your watch, waiting for Amy Winehouse to bow to the inevitable. I mean, it just depends. But with Carlin, she's really right, that I think everybody feels, for a guy that was just so aggressively... Misanthropic and a guy who went out of his way just to have, I would say, a life-loving kind of hate, sort of a a zestful sort of disdain for everybody. Yeah. Um. You know, and it's because you could tell that everything that guy said there wasn't it wasn't he wasn't the it wasn't jive. You know, he wasn't putting it on. Uh, I saw an interview with Carla one time where he was talking. Somebody asked him why he got into comedy. I think Playboy magazine said, "Why'd you get into comedy?" And he said, well, you know, some people get into comedy to get laid, and some people get into comedy because uh, they want access to booze and drugs, and some people get into comedy because they're just lazy. And he said th- the simplest statement, which you absolutely, the minute you hear it, it just resonates, it's true. He said he just got into comedy, not to edit this for the radio, but he said he got into comedy just because he said he had all of this S just screaming inside him to get out. Mm. And, I mean, he listened to it, and clearly it, there was just some, Endless wellspring inside of that guy that just poured forth uh, constantly with the thoughts, the observations. I mean, you talk about a guy who just had more creativity in his fingernail clippings. I mean, just his throwaway observations yeah. are more than your average comedian does. Uh, you know, in a whole show. I mean, there was just a he was just astounding, really, just one of a kind.
7: I, I, I think why guys, especially, are really are taking this a little harder than probably normal. Like when Harvey Corman died, although yes. that was tragic in itself, uh-huh. um, it's because. We looked at George Carlin to point the finger back at us and say, see how idioti- idiotic you are? Yeah. Let, me, let me explain what, how, how stupid you are. He said one time, he said, it's, it's a joy to watch the human race destroy itself. It's a joy to watch uh, watch us screw up our planet. He said it's a complete joy to be, to, you know, and what was it he said? When you're, when you're born, you're given a ticket to the freak show. Yep. And when, you, when you're born in America, you're given a seat in the front row.
1: And uh, you know, and then there are people who are in the freak show, the uh as I think he said, the Joey Budafukos of the world. You know, and then there's the guy who gets to narrate the freak show and he yeah. he was he was that guy. And here's the other thing about George Carlin, and I mean, you know, we're gonna be hearing stuff about this all, all day long, but I mean the, the other thing about George Carlin is this is that unlike many, if not most comedians, George Carlin, I think a an objective consensus would be that George Carlin got better every year he aged. Yes. I mean, the older George Carlin got, I mean, and I'm in the any of his early stuff, like the hippie dippy weatherman and the, the stuff like he did that playing with your head album, which was just a lot of, you know, very whimsical and whatever. Um, but, I mean, as he got older with, like, the back-in-town record and jamming in New York and complaints and grievances, and he had a great one-man show called You Are All Diseased mm-hmm. and Life Is Worth Losing, and just the older he got, it's like the more and more he just carved away the facade or any sort of pretense of doing what a socially acceptable comedian would do, and he just pared it back and pared it back and pared it back to to the raw, unfiltered George. And by the end of his of his life, that's really what you were getting.
7: So. Well, you know, he was he was one one astute person when it came to the human condition, and he was able to to eloquently relate that back to us, and uh, not not too much unlike what you do I mean because we've talked several times about our job is easy because of people sure you know and so it's, it's the same kind of thing and and he was just as he got older and as he got more in tune with you know, how weird we are uh he was able to kind of stay with it his longevity isn't the fact that he could write he said the fact that he he could author a couple of books is why he lasted so long I don't think so I think it's because he stayed topical he yeah. stayed current he stayed right with the times and just kept explaining to us how we're screwing up the whole way through. And you know what? It was great.
1: And some of the things that comedians do, he has done bits that I think are the final word. He has a, a great eight-minute piece, I think in the Complaints and Grievances show, about airport security, which to me is like the final absolute, as much as I bitch about it, is the final absolute last word about the inanity of airlines. He just really killed a lot of those a lot of those categories. And... The other, and for anybody who knows anything about me, knows that I gotta love a guy who once did a whole bit called just called Free Floating Hostility, (laughs) and he said it was just a list of like 70 different things, 75 different things that were pissing me off.
8: Yeah.
1: And I mean, and the final thing I will say, and I know you're probably in a crunch today. My final note about Carlin would be this: I saw him live three times. I saw him in Vegas, I saw him in Salt Lake, and I saw him here in Portland actually just last year, and. Then I saw, because, you know, the deal with him is he would workshop. He would do the same show all around the country on tour, and then he would end in New York and tape that show for HBO. So if you were lucky, you would get to see him out on the road doing the show, and then later you could see that show performed on HBO, because, again, he would sort of work on it th- as he toured, then do the final taping of the New York. So I saw him in Los Angeles or in Las Vegas doing the show, and it was just, you know, and, it, it, and then I saw the same Act taped back later and played on HBO and you realize every nuance, every pause, every stammer, every stutter, everything that looks like he's stopping to search for the right word was all scripted. I mean, he had it down every single beat was exactly where he wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, it was just astounding. There's never going to be another George Carlin ever.
7: And he was the same guy off stage as he was on stage. Yeah. Very nice guy, very observant guy. Would always give you a, a you know quick quip about, about yourself. You know, he yeah. was just he was very cool.
1: Indeed. All right, my friend. Well, the uh, the world's a little darker today, but uh, what are you going to do? So, all right,
7: we're going to wake up tomorrow and find something better to talk about. That's what I'm saying.
1: All right, sir. We'll enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we will talk to you very soon, Jim. Thank you, sir. There right, they go, Jim Rope, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. Ah, all right, well, what can you do? um yeah, I saw him uh in fact, Scott Daly and I I just got an email from another guy who was there that says uh let's see Rick um uh what the hell, uh, I just had this thing, oh, Rick, um I wanted to throw mine as well last year when George Carlin came to town. I graciously received tickets from a m nine seventy and my wife and I sat next to you and Scott Daly at the show. It was a wonderful night. Uh, it was, I was grateful to have uh, been able to attend the show, and I know it was the last time I. Uh, I and I didn't know I didn't know it was the last time I'd see him. Uh, he was one of my true heroes. The world is worse for his passing. Um, yeah, so I saw that guy a couple different times, and you would just because he was just so uh, such a skilled and gifted actor too, uh, because you could never you could never really spot the acting, and so he would be up there doing this doing this routine. And he would stop and he would do this little – he had this little movie he would do where he would stop and he would sort of put his hands up and he would sort of um, rub his forefingers and his thumbs together uh, sort of like you were twirling clay or something as though he was looking for the right word. He would do one of those universal gestures for, I don't know, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? And, and then you would see him do that same show later in New York City on HBO and you'd realize that e- e- even that was scripted. It was put in there very – I mean it was just done note for note, beat for beat, moment for moment – the same time, every time you saw him, and it always looked spontaneous. You, you never caught him. You never caught him doing the lines off the script in his head. So, and there's a couple. I, and everybody is going to be playing George Carlin bits today and the seven thirty words thing and the, whatever. It, it, it's not that I'm like better than that. There was just no way to pick out what to play. There was no way to find one George Carlin bit to start the show with. But he's got a couple. He has one called "Advertising Lullaby" and he has one called um, "I'm a Modern Man." Uh, that started the Life is Worth Losing show, where it's, it's like a guy who was, at that point, 70 years old. It's a three-and-a-half-minute just cavalcade of words, all of them perfectly chosen, all of them very sort of mellifluous and almost like, the, like an onomatopoeia thing where they're all strung together very carefully. And I know that I can turn into a big word nerd, and I can geek out about language and the love of language and the use of language and Aaron Sorkin and David Mamet and whoever and whoever and whoever. But, I mean, you know, in terms of comics, I mean, Carla was it. The absolute, the alpha and the omega, as the Catholic Church would say. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. I think, yeah. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm okay, brother. a little bummed out, but I'm all right. Hard to hear that. Yeah, what's that? Well, it's, you know, it's the Carlin thing. I was just talking to Roop about George Carlin and um, how, you know, he's just, here's the thing about Carlin, I don't know if you were much of a fan, but the thing about George Carlin is there's like a, there's a before and after. And the before and after show for Carlin was it was a tour he did an album uh, you know a, a bit called um, a show he did called Back in Town because he had done all of this sort of whimsical comedy uh, very funny but I mean very sort of observational comedy uh, where he, you know he would it was sort of a lot of musings about the human condition and whatever and then there was this show he did called Back in Town which I think is was in the late 80s and that was that was the show where he he sort of reinvented himself into the sort of the sort of misanthropic curmudgeonly guy that then he then was in his act for the next 20 years mm-hmm. and um you know and it's just when you look back and a guy who just consistently just got better and better and better and for a guy who was so sort of uh you know just dismissive of the entire human race you know he really does uh you know he really does resonate i mean he from my money I mean really pound for pound just the best there ever was the best there will ever be so
9: and he's uh, he's got a special connection to New York because of all the times he was on Saturday night live you know
1: sure uh he was in fact I think he was the first person ever to be censored on SNL 2 because he hosted the first show and I think I think he was the host of the very first episode and it's such a tame time you look back now and you think about just what we can say on television now and, and the, the, the stuff that you were getting edited for then but there was this controversial joke that Carlin did in the very first episode of SNL, which, again, now isn't even all that funny and isn't, certainly isn't all that shocking, but where he says that um, he refers to, to, to God as being only a semi-divine being because everything he makes dies. He can't make anything, doesn't die. And, S- and the censors, like, freaked out about it because you were not supposed to be blasphemous in any way. And, you know, and again, it was just one of those little tossed-off observations, just just a little tiny something from the corner of his brain uh that you know resonated enough that it sort of uh, shocked people a little bit. I mean the guy just uh you know he's 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 you know the be- the best there ever was. So in any event. Well um Anyway, I, one of I, one of George Carlin's great uh, as, as Jim was saying, one of his great joys was watching the various ways in which the human race just manages to F up and, and self-destruct and fray apart at the edges. And so when her was talking to the CNN person today, she said, hey, so we want to book Steve Kastenbaum, and the CNN person said, uh, is this about the rampant teen pregnancy pacts or Zimbabwe? And I don't really know, honestly, I don't really know what's going on in Zimbabwe, but I will say... So they don't have you. They don't have you traveling out to interview these nutcase kids with a pregnancy pack, do they?
9: No, I didn't go up there. In fact, uh, nobody's been able to talk to the kids. But they just held a news conference up there in Gloucester just a little while ago. Gloucester, even though it looks like Gloucester, uh, how, why is
1: why is it why is it pronounced that way? By the way, I have no idea. It's because they're British and they're crazy. Gloucester. I mean, isn't that uh, the thing? Like all of those words are just. Uh, those are all from England, where they just sort of. You know, where they just add and subtract letters and syllables for no readily apparent reason. Because don't they say Leicester Square, even though it's Leicester?
9: Yeah, yeah. It's they're... like the C-E in the middle of the word. Like, they're not even there. Yeah, no, it's they're like, uh, yeah. They're Glouc- British. The Gloucester. Um,
1: <laughs> Tim Riley is Tim Riley is in here to correct. Is he mispronouncing it, Tim? Gloucester. Gloucester is correct.
9: <laughs> you always say Gloucester.
1: You can also end it with an A-H if you'd like. You can make it Gloucester.
9: Gloucester. All right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they got good lobster roll there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> really, the look of unbridled contempt on Tim's face is just fantastic. Oh, I wish I wish you could see the loathing. Um. Well, anyway, so they but they have these kids, these two, the oh. girls who made this pregnancy pact. Are they all like secreted away in a in a hole somewhere?
9: Well, geez, stop the presses! Now it appears there may not be an actual pact, so to speak, and the principal was conspicuously absent from the news conference that just happened a little while ago and uh, I believe I have a cut of the mayor all queued up here. If the
6: girls want to speak with me, my door is open. This is a private matter with their families and we are going to respect that.
9: So they're not talking about the individual girls, but...
6: When we pressed him for specifics about who told him, when was he told, his
9: his his memory fails. In other words, he couldn't remember who told him there was an actual pact. So they haven't confirmed that. So,
1: are we, so there's three options here. One is it's real uh, and, and then we will just find the, the proof of it. The other is that it's something the girls actually did but now they're just desperately trying to sort of muddy the waters a little bit and make it look as though it didn't happen because they know that it makes their whole community and school look crazy. <laughs> or thirdly, it didn't really happen at all and the story just sort of he invented itself out of whole cloth, which is a little weird.
9: Well, there definitely were 17 girls that became pregnant during the school year. And the uh, school superintendent said hey, it was pretty funny in the news conference the way he, he worded it, although he wasn't intending to be funny. He said it's pretty obvious that there were several girls who were not trying very hard not to become pregnant.
1: You know the way that we torture our, the way that we torture our syntax in this country just to avoid coming out and saying what everybody is thinking. Uh, so I, so that's 17 girls out of a class of how many?
9: Uh, you know what I don't know, but I do know it is a, a a coastal town that was once you know a big fishing community. There was a big fishing industry there. There's not much in the way of that anymore. So it's one of those typical New England towns where there isn't a lot of hope. Uh, amongst the young kids, you know, for something to do in the town. So these girls apparently thought, you know, uh, let's get pregnant. We'll raise our kids together. At least that's what the principal was saying they were are
1: doing. But, you know, I don't. You do meet those women every now and again that we'll talk about. Because most women, I think, talk about being pregnant is an unpleasant experience. But every now and again, you'll meet a woman who's like, "I loved being pregnant. Being pregnant was fantastic." So you know, who's to say? I don't know
9: any women like that.
1: <laughs> different strokes. Um, so because I mean, if it's seventeen girls in a class of a thousand, that's not so you know not so interesting. If it's seventeen girls in a class of a hundred and fifty. You know, it's like nine percent or something. I mean, that's—I uh, would say that's noteworthy.
9: They said it was anywhere between three and four times uh, the the normal number, uh, the, the typical number of girls that become pregnant during the school year. So, that's a huge increase.
1: All right. Well, let's see. I'm trying to think of a because it is a sleepy New England town. I'm trying to think of a Peyton Place joke uh, to make here at the end, but I've got the. Yeah, I got nothing. Wait. Yeah. No. Wait. Peyton. Rayton. Hayton. Maiton? No, I got nothing. No, I, I have nothing. I'm sorry. I was just trying desperately to come with a Grace Metullius joke. It's just not working out for me.
9: Yeah, it's good. George Carlin's death is bringing you it down. It's, it's
1: put a whole shroud over my comedic sensibilities today, sir. Yeah. All right, yeah. my friend. Uh, well, are you on tomorrow? Uh, yes, I am. All right, my friend. We will talk to you. Until then, have a fantastic day. We will have uh, speaks with you in the immediate future. okey Thank you. you Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. Fantastic. How are you today, Sarah? Very well. How are you? Are you? Aren't I? I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just feeling, I got an abundance of energy today. You know why? It's because I had no sleep at all last night, and I've had lots of caffeine.
2: I woke up at like 5.30 this morning with the sun blare. Like, I, I took down my curtain like a year ago. I don't know why. And so I wake up at the same thing with you. I woke up at 5 this morning after going to bed at like 1. So the key I'm... is to
1: cover your windows with tinfoil. That's what I was And doing. then to hide under your bed wearing a melon rind as a hat. <laughs> uh All right. Sorry. That did sound a little crazy, didn't it?
2: Have you eaten anything? <laughs>
1: no. No, I'm just glad the talker stuff is finally working. When we went into that first break, because we didn't have really time to talk about it, when we went into that first break and it didn't play, like, and now here's the new station name. And it's, blah, 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 solid radio. radio
2: by now. You can't put all of your eggs into one basket like that.
1: Yeah, because then...
2: Because then it's, it's going to combust. Because then I
1: am essentially eggless. Yeah. So and plus the best part is that undoubtedly like Susan and everybody else who's sitting around no no wait here we're gonna unveil the new name of the station that'll make it easier for the casual talk listener to sample uh, the radio offerings and then it was just like a solid state. All right, so the the talker stuff does appear to I I make no promises though, like for the rest of the day. You may occasionally hear a solid state this or that sort of slipping in. We're gonna
2: like it's dirty.
1: It's dirty.
2: It's like you don't want to hear any of that dirty, solid No, but you know me.
1: It's like I'm a completist. I'm a a perfectionist, and so it's like little white specks on the counter. So if I'm trying to swap everything out, I want everything to be swapped out, uh, because otherwise otherwise it's just like a stone in your shoe. All right. Let's all breathe deeply. Excellent. Uh, We come back. We will talk to... uh, Tim Riley uh, will have uh, the new news hour And we for need us. to
2: figure out what's going on with Richie and... Uh...
1: Oh, well, we got to figure out how Richie's weekend went, and then i got to figure out what the, the deal with. having With, reptiles with the way. reptile guy who's going to be coming in. Uh, so, and so forth. Don't forget, coming up later on today, one random caller wins a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday, as well as a Night of the Champions prize pack in the WWE. Stay there. Tim Riley, have you news for us? Yes, yeah, plenty of it. Excellent. More around the corner. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs>
3: When I see the
0: prostitute I don't want to grow I don't want to be dead.
5: You're listening to AM 970. 970. 970.
0: 970. Yes, yes. The
5: Talker.
1: They're kind of loud. Less so for the people listening to the radio. If you're listening to the to the regular radio out there, it all sounds balanced. If you're listening to the stream, I'm, I'm sorry you're deaf. A little, bit of, uh, a little bit of leveling that needs to take place there. Normalizing of the output, they might say. Uh, Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. How about a wallabar treating you, Sarah? That's pretty gross. And yet, you just continue to power through it.
2: I, I already committed to it. I purchased it. It's going
1: in my stomach. Like a termite gestating plywood. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Just shoving your way through admirably to the other side. Good for you. Uh, we'll talk to Richie Bristol later on who just continues to become more disturbing by the moment. I'm pretty sure, we don't really have time to talk about this now, but I'm pretty sure as we were walking by Richie's studio just now, he was watching a home movie. Let me see if I understand what I just saw. Sarah, here's the thing. I'm going to describe what I just think I saw, what I think I just saw Richie watching. Uh Uh-huh. You tell me if this jibes with what you think you just saw Richie watching. Okay. As I was walking by Richie's call screening room just now, I'm pretty sure that I saw him watching a home movie of himself dressed as a woman with massive fake bosoms chasing a firefighter around a room. Yes. Okay. Kind of like
4: Mrs. Doubtfire. Exactly
1: like that, but with, you know, more groping. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal...
5: It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry
1: of Truth,
5: this is Tim Riley.
1: (laughs) The best part is how all of this insanely loud stuff playing, and Tim doesn't even flinch. What are you going to do? I mean, even I'm turning down my headphones, and I'm legally deaf. This Tim's over here just stoic as a stone. Bother me a bit. Looking like Rodan the thinker, but more newsy.
4: So a man beats the gunman with a fan and wrestles away a shotgun. This is a very exciting story. A shooting suspect is badly hurt after he knocked down a door to try to get two people and was greeted by a man armed with an oscillating fan. This happened about one o'clock this morning in the six unit apartment complex at Northeast ninety fourth in Gleason. So, this guy shows up at the apartment complex and begins shooting and threatening people. Then he goes up to an apartment where two people, a man and a woman, are hiding in their locked bedroom, breaks the door down to get them. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice, an oscillating fan. He beats the suspect down the stairs with the oscillating fan. At one time, the man's able to get a shotgun and beats the man with that as well. So, he, uh, he grabs the shotgun away from him and starts beating him with it. It all takes place as the shooter takes aim at him outside the door, shooting at him and missing. And then the guy named Featherly quickly ducks back in his wife's car that caught the bullets may have saved his life. Uh, so then the uh, police eventually arrested 43-year-old Dong Fan, the victim of the fan attack. Wait. Now, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fan was beaten with
1: a fan. I don't understand. Let's just back up for a second. No. A... So wait, so why was the guy going through the apartment complex shooting? Do we because know? Because he's crazy
4: or some sort. Well, okay. investigators believe that Mr. Pham, not to be confused with the Pham... Pham like ham? Right. Okay. Ham with a P in front of it, which makes it a Pham. Uh, he may have had a romantic interest with a woman in the apartment complex. He used to live there, or she used to live with him, although it's unclear whether the two actually had a relationship. Investigators also looking into a previously reported assault against a male victim by Mr. Pham the day before. So, Mr. Pham,
1: who lives in southeast Portland, as one might expect, if if anybody can call up and explain this story correctly, front to back right now, I will give you a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this Friday. Did I repeat that again? No, 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 don't repeat it. I did, we'll have you do it in a second, but hold on if you don't mind. Uh-huh. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, seriously, I will, we're going to just take uh, random calls here at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, if you would like to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, and who wouldn't? Uh, I'm looking I at would. you, Scotty J. This coming Friday, June 27th at Clark County, uh, the amphitheater at Clark County. Uh, tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or LiveNation.com or all Ticketmaster outlets. If you would like to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this Friday, here's what you need to do. Call 503-733-2970. If you can... To the satisfaction of Tim Riley, uh-huh. who read this story, yeah. if you can accurately explain what is going on in this news story, mm-hmm. you'll win that pair of tickets. All right. So we'll uh, let's let's put that aside for just a moment. Mr. Pham and the Fam. Mr. Pham and his Fam. Yes. Uh, let's put that aside for just one moment. Do another story. And then we'll get a couple of calls here. So let's do one more. Then we'll return to that. We'll have the audience try to give us a recap, and we'll see if anybody can actually explain what the hell is going on. Right. All right.
4: So once Mr. Pham no, did, did not have members of his fam live in this apartment complex, yet he was beaten with a fan. Okay. Well, let's do, here's, okay. Let's talk about Clackamas County DUI arrest, shall we? That's pretty clear cut, isn't it? Yes. People get arrested in, in uh, Clackamas County, many of them as a matter of fact. Uh So they got a whole bunch of people, 46 people were involved in this operation, 30 cars were involved in this DUI enforcement. Uh They took 21 people into custody, 16 DUI arrests, which include a witness hit and run, and they were able to swoop down on this guy immediately because there were so many troopers on the street. Uh, let's see, one weapon was found, they had three drug charges, and they arrested three people on arrest warrants. They connected 222 stops. And 150 citations would give it, 123 warnings to be good the next time. And they towed away 27 vehicles. Excellent. And this was where? clackamas County. When did this happen? The clack. Uh, let's see.
1: Early yesterday morning. Okay. As long as it didn't happen when I was trying to get to my shrink. That's all I, no. that's, as long as I know that they're not going to be doing this when I'm trying to get somewhere. Uh-huh. All right. Which call, uh, Sarah, which line should I answer here? Let's do four. Line four. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How are you today? Oh,
10: Rick. How are you doing?
1: Hey. Okay. So here's the deal. Did you hear that story that Tim Riley was reading?
10: About Mr. Fam. Yes. like Fam with a P in front of it. So here's the thing.
1: I'm gonna ask you to describe in just a few sentences, try to take less than twenty seconds, to describe the gist of what was happening in the story. Now, Tim will listen to your explanation of the fam story. If Tim feels that you have adequately explained the story with accuracy, you will win a pair of tickets to see Earth Wind and Fire. Are we all on the same page?
4: Yes. Yeah. All
1: right, go ahead, sir.
10: Okay, Mr. Pham may have had a relationship with a woman that lived in the apartment. It's unclear whether they lived together there. He was uh, attacking people in the apartments with a shotgun. He forced open a door. The man behind the door clocked him with an oscillating fan. What I liked best was he said, Mr. Pham got hit with a fan, and then Tim Riley said, I don't understand, and it all kind of had a, a nice little alliteration to it.
1: All right. Now, Tim, in your news person obje- uh, assessment here, do you feel as though he has accurately conveyed the major beats or plot points in this story? Not all of them, but I think he hit the major point. Has he left out enough that you would disqualify him? No, I, I think he's, he's covered the major you feel points. All right, my friend, I'm going to put you on hold. Congratulations. You are going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday at the Amphitheater <laughs> at Clark County. All right. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Uh, yep. hold on Richie you talk to the guy in line four. All right uh everybody else uh thank you for uh, thank you for endeavoring uh, I believe we do have our winner but uh, By we the appreciate way, your attention Mr. Pham has serious facial injuries from the fan Does he Yes wait No so to say now I can't rhyme with my life depends Mr. Pham Pham uh, has serious slam. facial injuries Wait 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 <laughs> hold on hold on Mr. Pham will be going hold on Is he going to be incarcerated Yes. Where he will almost certainly end up being the ma'am of the slam. <laughs> yeah.
2: What's with that creepy laugh? It's like you've adopted it over the weekend.
1: I, it's been it I, twice
4: now. He's replacing Mr. Carlson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the talker's new imaging, Sarah. Along with it, it's, I've overwritten my old Uncle Buck laugh no. with that laugh. What is it? Who is that guy that I'm, that I'm doing with that laugh? Who's the, Tim, who's the old guy that would go, mm, "Yes." You remember that guy? The guy in the old in the old fifties movies, he looked like David Niven, but it wasn't David Niven. I'm trying to think of he would answer that. He would answer like he'd be the uh, the uh, the whatever the bellman at the front desk of a hotel, and they'd come and they'd ring the they would ring the bell at the hotel. Now I uh, want to rhyme everything, but I got to stop. They'd ring the bell at the front desk, and the guy would pop and go,
4: "Yes, Fred Allen."
1: Is it Fred Allen? I think it's Fred Allen. Okay, so that's kind of when I'm doing that laugh, I'm sort of doing and that sure guy's everybody voice. Everybody knows who that is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It amuses us, Tim. That's all, that's all that's important. It amuses you, coming as you do from a small, hopeless New England town where there's nothing to do but become impregnated. Do you like Steve Kastenbaum's casual slandering of your homeland? <laughs> no, I like that funny. You know, I, I work in just, New England where
4: life is pointless. <laughs> I worked just a few miles from there in uh, Newburyport, and that was a place where I worked on the station every morning at 8.18. The driver would go up and knock the station off the air, so I'd have to, drug, I had to drive up
1: to the transport and put the station back on the air every morning at Good 8.18. Good for you. That's okay. Sarah was stuck on the bridge this morning, and there was no boat going anywhere. And everyone
2: was just seething, and more and more people are piling. and then I just... I don't mean to be mean, but I... I it it's took, fun I mean, to be
1: mean. It come on. George Carlin's dead. Somebody's got to do no, it. I
2: just I, I, I always flip off the person in the in the little box up there. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I hate them. And it's like, you know what? I know it's not their job. I, I know it's their job, and I shouldn't dislike them. But and they yet, choose to lift the bridge for no particular reason during my commute They play the man's day.
1: game, Sarah.
2: No, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Is this a convenient time for you? That's
1: good. Can I just say one thing, and yeah. then we'll move on with the news? Let me just say this here on AM 70. We'll get back to you, Mr. Dong Pham. Can we? Yes. Here on AM 970, the talker. I barely knew her. Yeah. Um. Uh, that'll come up at some point. There is one where the guy uh, just goes talker. talker. I
10: barely knew her.
1: Um. Eh. Let's just let me just say going forward. By the way, if I hear any complaints from anybody. Uh, they look at the logo or the slogan, and the format of the station is unclear. I swear to God, you're going to get a bunch of fives. That's the British What does the The logo look like? If
2: I mean seriously, you can't make it any more clear than if that. If I meet
1: mean some guy in the street who goes, I'm unclear as to what kind of station you do. Seriously, what do you guys talk about? I barely knew her. Um, so let me just say this about that Hawthorne Bridge lift uh, going around yeah. any of the bridges. But see, that's that's the thing is everybody's filled with hate about that. I let me under, I let, live on the west side. I have no hate. Let me. Even, I don't deal with draw bridges. <laughs> Come to work via, uh, via chauffeur hovercraft. hovercraft. Let me be very clear that I am not saying someone should do this. What I'm about to describe... But you wish you could. Not well. If I'm not saying that either. If not you're a person
4: of influence, if, and just a common person...
1: I'm just saying... <laughs> Don't do this because it would be wrong, and I mean and illegal, and I mean that sincerely you you, you shouldn't do it you
4: will not win a prize,
1: no, you will not win a prize. the prize you will win will be that of you will win the prize of incarceration if if also the love of your fellow citizens <laughs> I'm just saying i let me put it this way I'm surprised that maybe this hasn't happened that's how I'm going to describe this okay. I, I'm surprised that this hasn't happened.
2: Ending... Death of the horrible MySpace parents.
1: I didn't say that. Exactly. You said that.
2: No, I didn't say that. I'm just saying I've heard speculation from other
1: people. Talker. I barely knew her. Really for me. So what I'm saying is, I am surprised that because this bridge lift, and here's the other thing, the bridge lift, it never happens at two in the morning. Not to the best of my knowledge, I have never been around downtown at night, driving around after dark. You look up, see the bridge going up for a boat. It is always, always, goddamn always, morning or afternoon mm-hmm. drive time, right? And there's always, you know, a million cyclists trying to get across, whatever. I am surprised that there hasn't been some sort of Project Mayhem band of rogues that has made a pact that when a boat starts coming down the river... They're going to get pregnant. And...
4: <laughs> yes. That would show them. That would all show you. Give me your seed! There are right. hopeless lives on the east side. <laughs> They're looking for war. We should have a
1: mass impregnathon on the Hawthorne Bridge. That should be our next big station event. Ew. An impregnathon. I just made that word up right now. That one's for you, George. No, here's what I'm saying. I am surprised that this has not happened. That some band of uh, bike-riding scallywags haven't gotten together to do this during morning or afternoon drive time because it inconveniences bicyclists just as much as cars. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Even if you're on a bike, you're still stuck on that bridge getting later and later and later for work while waiting for a dinghy to go through. I am surprised that a group of bicyclists hasn't gotten together and made some sort of pact where when you see the boat coming down the river that clearly doesn't need the bridge to be lifted up anyway because it's low enough, and the guy starts making a... Dude, beep that some bicyclist just doesn't, doesn't go out into the middle of the bridge and just sit there and just go and because they couldn't lift because right they can't lift the thing if you're there right mm-hmm. i mean if there's some cyclist i mean again don't do this it would be wrong and illegal but i'm saying if some cyclist were just to say well no you're not lifting it and just to pedal out into the middle of the bridge and just sit there the guy couldn't lift it nothing he could do Mm-hmm. I mean, he would just have to wait. The, and the boat would have to wait. The boat would have to wait until people weren't using the bridge. I'm not saying to do this. That would be wrong. I am saying I am surprised. Because let's be honest. There's any number of fringe bicycle riders in this uh, city who don't mind being arrested anyway, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's critical mass guys. I mean, whatever you think about them, the critical mass guys don't have any problem going out there and sticking it to people, and occasionally getting arrested or beaten with a billy club or whatever. It just seems to me it would be inevitable that the same group of law-breaking bicyclists would just take it among themselves as some sort of vigilante act to just, you know, and they take turns. All right, Lenny, it's your turn. The guy starts doing, deep, 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 deep. Lenny just puts his bike in the middle of the bridge and won't move. I would really respect Lenny. I wouldn't because that's against the law, Sarah. I wouldn't either. And I'm not advocating that anybody do that. I'm saying I'm surprised that it hasn't happened. <clears throat> <laughs> I had something there. In that. Yeah, I know. Here's Tim Riley.
4: So we dealt with Mr. Pham? Yes. He was inside that room, you know, he got the gun turned away from him. And he was beaten in the face with the gun after he was hit in the face with the oscillating fan. Oh, now we find out that the woman in that bedroom... Used to be his love interest. And he allegedly went to that same man's workplace Saturday and tried to attack him there. So Mr. Pham is in big trouble. I think we're done with this. (laughs) I've
1: moved on in my head.
4: Well, we'll find something else to talk about. Okay. Uh, Oh, listen to this. John McCain is giving away $300 million. Of course, you have to earn it uh, somehow. He wants uh, somebody to come up with a battery... That'll enable us to get rid of the uh, big oil companies. So that's his, his uh, latest thing. He said the device should deliver power at least 30% of current costs and have the size, capacity, and power to leapfrog commercially available plug-in hybrids on electrical cars.
1: Does he really know what he's talking about? No, and I, you know. but if it makes you feel better, I don't really know what he's talking about either. So, I mean, it seems to be a bit of a wash.
4: In other words, he wants to get rid of uh, gasoline. So he wants somebody to... Del- deliver a brand new battery to get rid of gasoline and cars and he'll give them $300 million Is to that true? It.
1: Yes. I mean, but here's, but here's why that is it seems dumb to me. The idea that John McCain is going to give you $300 million if you can come up with a battery that will run the cars with no gas, that makes no sense. I mean, it just seems counterproductive because it, don't it's you think... money. Well, but I guess what I'm saying is like the, the financial upside to creating such a car is so massive that somebody already would have done it. I mean, if you could have created a car that just runs on a battery or on water or on sun or you know leaves or something... I mean, you're going to make a billion dollars of that. I mean, you could, the financial upside is so much more than $300 million, and it seems like we already would have heard from somebody if they had the wherewithal to do that. But this is decent prize money this time. I suppose. I wonder what second prize had a stick nice. I don't know. Third prize is you go to Guantanamo. Here's Tim Riley. Yes,
4: uh, John McCain says alternative fuels made from corn are being used now. Alcohol-based
10: fuels are the furthest along in both development and commercial use. And new sources of ethanol are on the horizon that won't require the use of so much cropland.
1: He's old and weird. He sounds so fragile. He really does. Doesn't doesn't he sound like if you were to stop, come up behind him and give him a good shout uh, that he would just fall into a little bit uh, a little million McCain pieces.
4: Let's build more engines that burn alcohol instead of gasoline.
1: Instead of playing favorites, our government should level a playing field for all alcohol
10: fuels that break the monopoly of gasoline. Both lowering gasoline prices and carbon emissions.
1: Yeah, well, well, okay, yeah, we'll get right on it. I'm all for it. Uh Uh-huh. That's one of those things where, like, somebody talks to you and you're just going to go, uh-huh, great. And in your head, you're just thinking about what you're going to order for lunch later.
4: Well, our court records show Citibank is suing TV's Ed McMahon trying to recoup $200,000 lent to the Hollywood icon. Uh, First reported on the entertainment news website, CelebTV.com, documents show Citibank filed a lawsuit against McMahon in L.A. on June 9th. The bank suit seeks nearly $180,000 in damages as well as attorney fees. doesn't specify exactly what this is for. He has faced a mounting money problem since it was revealed earlier this month that he was $644,000 behind on payments to his Beverly Hills
1: home. Now, are you sure that there's no explanation as to how he broke his neck? I think it was his wife. <laughs> That's Tim Riley who keeps saying that. That's in your editorial opinion. Why doesn't she offer an explanation, and why won't he explain it when she's sitting there? <laughs> <laughs> See, is this like a thing of like... Is this like when you're talking to a battered wife, and you just kind of go, so, um, so how did your black... No, 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 don't look at him. Look at me, honey. How did your black... How did you hurt your... Eye? Don't look at John. How... How did you hurt your eye? <laughs> and then finally, you just have to get the husband out of the room. Because every time she opens her mouth, he just glares at her. And she's sitting there tapping her nails on the counter. <laughs> thinking, um, you better not. You better not, Ed. <laughs> Breaking the neck was the easy part. <laughs> what does that even mean? What's the hard part? <laughs> <don't>... The smothering? <laughs> Breaking your neck <laughs> was the easy, part. the easy part. Jesus. Um... Let's see here. Uh in March I'm looking here at his Wikipedia page. Uh let's see. In March two thousand Go to update to see if the life changes <laughs> In March two thousand eight it was announced McMahon was recovering from a broken neck and two subsequent surgeries. And there's nothing else. See I told you. <laughs> He's not allowed to <laughs> that. that is really weird, that's a big deal. Well, I mean, seriously, I mean, breaking your neck does seem like, that does seem like a large injury. It seems like if you were going to do that. It's not easily done. I mean, I would say it's not like when you get you look down your hand and go, ah, I cut myself somehow. How did it happen? I don't really know. You know one it, does,
4: it, it's like, you know, somebody grabbed him by the feet and dropped him for a large distance. It's like that, Tim. It is
1: as though. It is the potential. <laughs> it is as though maybe uh, he was... I would say maybe this injury, I'm not saying this happened, maybe this injury is consistent with as though he was, uh, one's head was struggling against the pillow that was being pushed down.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Maybe if the pillow was holding your head down and you try to jerk your torso up really fast to avoid the smothering, that's when the neck breaking
4: happens. Well, I'm no expert on broken necks.
1: No. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. I'm
4: sure there's somebody out there who could tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Abdul is officially single, guys. Reps for her ex-boyfriend restaurateur J.T. Tarugini, uh tells the People magazine they'll remain the best of friends, but their hectic work schedule make it hard to retain their relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, they began uh, dating in 2006. Uh, summer Abdul was on the Today Show when she described her romantic life as a horror movie. <laughs> <But> later, <laughs> explained that things are
1: looking good. Of course, the best of friends.
4: And then McMahon would probably
1: say <laughs> the same thing about
4: his love life. <laughs>
1: Uh, what is his wife's name? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I was. I realized I can't really do jokes uh, about it unless I know her name. I'll look it up. All right, here's Tim Riley.
4: I don't think he. Uh, she was ever referred to by name. No. The Larry King Show,
1: nor <laughs> <laughs> did Larry ask. Yes. Uh, hey, you know who's weird looking is Cindy McCain? She yeah, is just she an is. evil, terrible looking woman. Huh? Uh, there was that picture that drudge. Uh, and granted, drudge just seemed to have a thing for finding the worst photos of somebody. But, I mean, even by drudge standards, he was running that photo of Sidney McCain where she was glaring at the camera. She looks like she's about to peck out your eyes.
4: Well, every, like, single hair on her head is pulled back. Yeah. So it's like stretching the skull. So she must be in
1: pain. (laughs) No, and her her eyes just look as though they are. You know what it is? Her eyes look as though they were in the final moment of transformation before they turn jet black and, like, death beams emit from them. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they're not human eyes. All right. Let's see. Rick, I think that maybe you should get John McCain's $300 million, says this email. After all, a large segment of your audience has already figured out how to be fueled by alcohol. ha ha Z. All right, (laughs) thank you. Here's Tim Riley.
4: A new ABC reality program plans to live up to its name. It is called Wipeout. It premieres tomorrow night featuring 24 thrill-seekers every week making their way through, quote, the world's largest extreme obstacle course designed to provide the most spills, face plants, and wipeouts ever seen on television. What are face plants? The uh, person who survives four rounds of the grueling challenges, called things like the dreadmill and busy dummy, will take home $50,000 in prizes. The show will be hosted by John Henson, who uh, previously appeared on E's
1: Talk Soon. Oh, oh, uh,
2: no, John Henson. Oh,
3: oh I, I'm I Nothing's by
1: hosted by Jim Henson. Uh, uh, John, Henson.
2: <laughs> John Henson is so good looking. Oh, he's the, uh, yeah, he's
1: the yes, Talk and Soup. And he has dude. like the
2: gray, like that like, little gray patch. Yeah. Thing. No, he's a good looking I man. I loved him. I thought he was hilarious. I haven't
4: watched Talk Soup in years.
1: I haven't really watched it like a lot of people. I would, you know, my, it's my, you know, my generation. I watched it with Kilborn, or not Kilborn, um, Kinnear. Mm-hmm. I watched it in the Craig, the Greg Kinnear era, and I've watched it sort of sporadically since then.
2: Man, now I'm looking at pictures of him, and he was better looking in my mind.
8: <laughs> <You> should, <laughs> what was I thinking?
2: That
1: should totally be your new like dismiss line to guys. Hi, Sarah. You were better looking in my imagination. Leave. Huh. Uh, hey, do we want to talk to somebody who does physical therapy for broken necks? Yes. Yes. Keep in mind, this call may not be funny.
4: All right. All right.
1: We're not afraid, Rick. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
6: Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, I am a PT. I'll try to do my best. Um, comedy is a little tricky with broken necks.
1: Well, that's okay. If anybody can pull it <laughs> off, you can. I, I have good I have good feelings about this call, uh Jill. Thanks. Yes.
6: So, um people can break their necks pretty easily with a fall. If they hit their heads, they and they can break your vertebrae, like the bone in your neck. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily have like a spinal cord in
1: See, this is the thing that I don't understand about it is because I'm not a very smart person. So it could have been McMahon taking out one of those payday loans.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe.
1: I I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Payday loans? No, no. Whatever. Is there a joke I'm missing there? I don't even.
4: No, no. Okay. No. Um... There's no courtesy
1: laugh. Are you saying, oh, is this like when somebody gets asked to sign the new will and testament? Yes. Hey, sign here, Ed. Um, Let's see. Uh, so let me ask you, here's a question I have, because I don't know a whole lot about spines or necks or whatever, but you that hear is. those stories occasionally about like so-and-so was playing football and then broke his back, or uh, blah, 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 fell off his bicycle, broke his neck, and was in therapy, or whatever. I just sort of assume that when you break your neck, like that's it for you, like you're uh, you're not walking anymore.
6: No, no, not- necessar- not necessarily. you can have um I mean, if
1: you break your neck, doesn't your head just flop over sideways and sever your spine?
4: <laughs> you can get somebody no. else's
1: neck I, no, I guess you but... break
6: the, you, so you can break the bone uh, like your spinal cord is really well protected mm-hmm. by bone, your vertebrae is in your neck, okay. and your back, so you can, but the problem with that is that the it's a pretty enclosed like a bony enclosed space. Yeah. So if you injure yourself there, you can get swelling, and that's what's the problem. So huh. the swelling squeezes on the spinal cord, uh-huh. and then it injures the nerves there. And this I is making here, all of us so uncomfortable. We're all just sort of moving our shoulders <laughs> <I know>.
1: convulsively <laughs> here in the studio. Jesus.
6: But the good news is is that sometimes that can happen, and people can get treatment right away, and they get like an anti-inflammatory and then there's the chance that they could get better.
1: All right. Could this, if you were at an advanced age like Ed McMahon, uh, mm-hmm. could this, could this happen if you somehow walked into a door by accident? <laughs> Let's say
6: um, a really short door and a smack right on his forehead. Yeah, perhaps. yes
1: Or is it? Can you be injured maybe by talking back? Never mind. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you so much. Slap and slap you
6: know, on the face and a big twist on the head, perhaps.
8: Yes. What? what
1: <laughs> What if you were what if you were struggling against a chloroform soaked rag that was being shoved into your mouth? I Tim, what have you done to me? All right. Well, you know, to be fair, Jill, uh, this call it may not have been full of laughs, but neither was it quite as horrifying or depressing as it might otherwise have been. So well done there. Glad to be
6: helpful. All right,
1: uh you call us anytime, Jill. Keep spreading the so, word. So
6: ever, that, hey, I listen to your show all the time. Driving around, I'm a uh traveling therapist in, in my car, so the,
1: the neckmobile.
6: You're <laughs> so uh yeah you uh keep my day it's all right thank you drive safely Thanks. you call us anytime thank you. you
4: There you go. and tell a friend about the talker indeed
1: talker mm-hmm. here's tim Riley.
4: a crew member of george michael's 25 live tour is recovering following an accidental fall that left him with a broken jaw not neck uh, during a tour stop in phoenix last night the british pop star asked fans to offer uh kid well wishes for the injured crew member he identified only as eric Eric had fallen earlier in the day while helping to set up the
1: stage for the Sunday night
4: performance. He told the audience that Eric was admitted to the hospital for treatment. That's us uh. Let's see, uh... We'll do all the Carlin stuff later. Well,
1: right? do you want to take a break here, then, and we'll come back? Kind of start that on the other side or something? That sounds right. All right, so it's like 1235. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Still to come, more from Tim Riley. We'll talk about the life of George Carlin. Later on, Bob Noodles, Costantini. Uh, we will endeavor to do the top five spoken word songs of all time. Peter Carlin, and we'll talk to Richie Bristol. I think a guy might be bringing an alligator to the studio. So stay there. Back after this. Fantastic. Everyone hold their breath. Hey, you know what? There's blood all over that door leading to the bathroom. I told you.
2: <laughs> there, it, it, It's just not a little bit of blood. It's
1: smeared. If this was CSI, we would totally start testing that blood to find out who it belongs to. We should do a little canvassing. You didn't just rub your eye, did you? No. After touching a bloody handle?
2: No, I washed my hands. Mm-hmm. I think I, I have an eyelash in my eye.
1: Okay. Ew, uh, stop. I'm just saying... Tim had sort of... It's funny how you say things in here, and then you forget that sometimes they're true in the real world. Yes. So we were just talking, and Tim said, you know, there's there's blood all... And you've said it to me like three times this morning, and I somehow forgot about it. Three different times today, Tim has gone, "Uh, yeah, you know, there's blood all over the door leading to the bathroom. Also, in the bathroom, there's blood all over the paper towels. And I kind of went, "Uh uh-huh, that's great, wonderful, blood, great, fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm, great, talker. And it's just (laughs) consistently working along. And so Sarah and I just... Then we the bathroom together, but we were just walking to the bathroom at the same time, and there's one door that you go through to get to the, to the hallway where the bathrooms are. And Sarah reaches out to touch it, and I look, and I go, Oh, my God, there's blood on the door! As though I had just heard about it for the first time. And then I went into the unisex, and sure enough, bloody paper towels. And here's the thing about it. It's because in the bathroom here, they got about halfway through designing uh, some of the uh, sort of implements in there, and they just gave up. So... The bathroom dispensing, you know, like thing on the wall is for the kind that you pull out one at a time, like Kleenex at the bottom. But they don't actually give us those kind of paper towels. In other words, the dispenser is the kind that's as though it were a Kleenex box where you pull them out one at a time. The actual paper towels they give us, though, are just a huge that, cylindrical roll. That can roll. break your neck if it falls yeah. off the shelf. A huge cylindrical roll. So the paper towels they give us don't actually work with the dispenser they gave us. So there's a huge roll of paper towels, the big cylinder. Like help yourself. Just sitting in there. And, of course, it sits on its end. And so whoever the bleeder. Uh, I barely knew her. So the bleeder went in there this morning or whenever that happened, uh, got blood on the door leading to the bathroom, blood on the bathroom door, and then went to use the paper towels and clearly was, like, bracing themselves by putting one hand on top of the roll, meaning the blood is, like, all over the end of the roll. So there's but no they held the roll
4: with a bloody hand. Yeah. They That's should,
1: true. Maybe they had two bloody hands. Maybe both their hands were bleeding. What were they doing? Yeah. Well, I was going to guess i doing Ron Goldman, but... All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Uh, it's, it's, you know, what are you going to do? It's uh, blood jokes. There's only so many ways to
4: go with that. <laughs>
0: blood jokes. Blood
4: jokes. <laughs> so, more serious stuff. I didn't remember that George Carlin had a sitcom in the 90s. Uh, Yeah, it was... 93 jo- to 95. was it just called George's
1: something or other? I guess so. I mean, it was terrible. It, it must have been, because I don't remember. Yeah, it. no, it was bad. He... um. George was George Carlin. I say George, like anyway, But George Carlin was a really good actor if he was given the right material. The problem is he was never ever given the right material. There are only, leaving aside uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, I
2: loved him in that movie. He was great in that movie.
1: There are really only two places he ever acted well. Despite how any, despite what anybody may think of the film itself, uh, when he was cast in Kevin Smith's Jersey Girl, he himself acted. Really well. I know that the the, the public opinion is really split in that movie, but he was really good. His best acting was in Prince of Tides, though. Uh, He is in Prince of Tides, where he is just, he's fantastic, uh, because they, they wrote a script and they actually gave him decent direction. That sitcom, though, was a big load. That was terrible. Oh, and he was the Mr. Conductor on Shining Time Station. And he never made jokes about his life. No. No.
4: Uh, his wife was named Sally Wade. I've never heard her mentioned anywhere that, or, or interviewed. I think that's his second wife.
1: Yeah. Because he just remarried a year or so ago because his his, his, his first,
4: first wife, Brenda, died in 1997, it says.
1: Yeah, his longtime wife died about a decade or so ago. And, yeah, and they had been through, I know, lots of ups. He's talked really openly about this because they were both cocaine users. For a while, you know, they were both junkies, and then they both. and it was kind of a good story, that they, you know, they 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 met, and they they both kind of fell into addiction, but then they both cleaned up, and then they were together. You know, for for many 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 years after that, uh, and then she passed away from cancer, uh, and then yeah, a couple of years ago, he remarried with this, this Sally woman.
4: So he's uh most famous for the uh, I guess some people say the seven dirty words you can't say. On They're it. only words.
1: Now it's the context that counts. It's the user. Stop this soundbite for a moment. Have we listened to this in advance? Yes. Okay. I'm just. You know. I just. No. Can I just tell you this? Sometimes uh, I these will, are from Metro. Sometimes I will open up my uh, email in the morning, uh-huh. and I will have these uh, correspondences that are sent to me by CBS Legal. Uh-huh. Not like just to me, but the to, to, to company-wide. Like everybody who you know who had you know everybody who's in management will get these corporate-wide emails from CBS Legal. Uh, you know, talking about the the further. Um, the further tightening of the CBS uh, sphincter over things you can't say. Uh. And um, so I I have to tell you this. I fully expected to open up my inbox this morning and to see a letter from CBS legal specifically noting stations with the passing of George Carlin, please do not in any way talk about his seven dirty words bit. Uh, So I fully expected that, but at all, Even to mention that it occurred? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that I'm saying the email didn't 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 actually arrive. I expected that. Okay. Well, if, if, if you This is uh, George Carlin for children. If you're willing to vouch for the cleanliness <laughs> yes, of the soundbite...
0: <laughs> yeah. okay. They're only words. It's the context that counts. It's the user. It's the intention behind the words that makes them good or bad. The words are completely neutral. The words are innocent. I get tired of people talking about bad words and bad language.
4: Bullish. It's the context that makes them good or bad.
1: Feel better now? All right, yeah. I was afraid that, that they had sent us some edited version of the actual list. No. Well, you can never tell, though. You know. I know. No, that's... Uh... I remember playing them all on the air that time I told
4: you. Really? Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. I worked at, at uh, the number 75 station in Los Angeles <laughs> out of 75. How proud you must have been. I know. And since that other person didn't show up, I just threw an album on and left one day, and I What's the wrong this.
1: album. George Carlin. Well, how <laughs> bad could it be? I'm, I'm driving the down the store. Ventura Freeway <laughs> in the traffic jam. <laughs> Nothing I can do. Listening to the station for the first time ever, you hear the the seven dirty words. Mm-hmm. Um, Too late now. Well, I guess, uh, do they have anything in that story about the sort of legal ramifications of that case? If not, we can do a, a brief little radio history for the folks. Go right ahead. Well, okay, so the seven dirty words, and it's amazing. I was talking to somebody about this today. That is really for people in our business, for people in our industry. That really is the enduring legacy of George Carlin, is that to this day, I would say, and Tim, maybe this is your experience too, but to this day, I would say 90% of these sort of these the regular folks, I mean, the people who don't work in radio, the lay people, um, I would say 90% of the people I know and that I meet still think that there is a list of 730 words. Yes. I, I would say that almost everybody thinks that's true. Yes. Really? And there isn't. Yeah, no, I mean. I I'm me- just looking at the list of the words now. Yeah, and, you know, sure enough, I don't think you can. Actually, can, can I see the list? Yeah. Let me see here.
4: Ow. Um. Hmm. Seems like there are more than seven there.
1: Wait, hold on. Let me look one more time. Hmm. 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 Yeah. I don't think. I think there's only one of those you can say. And that's only in a certain context. Yes.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Well, exactly. Like if you're an NPR. <laughs> yes. Well, like if you were to be. Uh, yes. Speaking that. of something from the Cleveland Clinic. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um. Well, as in, uh, as somebody once said, you can be uh, Zany. Well, well, no. You
8: can't say that.
2: No, no,
1: no. I was going to say off as opposed to on. Yes. You can be that off. You just can't be that on. Yeah. Or then you're R. Kelly. <laughs> uh, so, being... in any event, what was I going to say? Oh, but so I meet people all the time that they'll talk about something like you'll meet. You'll meet people (coughs) Scott who will get bleeped on the air and they'll go, well, that's not on the list of the seven words. And you have to sort of patiently explain that there, in fact, are there is no list. There is no list of seven words. That was just something that George Carlin made up and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. Was it not uh, Pacifica versus the United States? Uh, I think that that is the Supreme Court case. Uh. And if I am further correct, and I think I am that we have the so-called Seven Dirty Words case, Pacifica versus the United States, to thank, in some horrible way, uh, for today's FCC regulations, which are just unbelievably vague and frustrating. I mean, it would be much easier if there, as, and I know I'm like the billionth like, DJ to say this, but it would be so much easier if there was just a list. Well, people thought the FCC started getting mean because of Janet Jackson, but it goes back before that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they, they, dude, they were fining Howard Stern a decade before Janet Jackson showed her boob. I mean, they were. I mean, yeah. I mean, Howard Howard Stern was putting out CD compilations called "Crucified by the FCC" in like 1992. So, I mean, it, 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 it predates Janet Jackson. I mean, exceptionally so. Um, but in any event, but I get uh, the, these uh, these emails will come will come by though that like like listing the songs uh, that, that were not allowed to play, and I mean, it really is just it's unbelievable. It really is. You know, and George himself was the first one to point out that, you know, as he said, there are no good words, there are no bad words. It is solely about context and meaning. Words themselves are completely neutral.
0: So, you know, what are you going to do?
4: So apparently he spoke to Fox, and uh, he spoke about using profanity.
0: I have some things that are just dirty because there are some images that are just kind of funny, but it's always either a good joke or a good idea. Sometimes it's both, but if the idea is there, fine. If the joke is there, fine. Either one, I'll take it. Then I can excuse myself to get into the sewer with you.
4: Uh, We have uh, Jackie Mason recalling uh, Carlin (laughs) as someone who wasn't afraid to push the envelope and often made controversial jokes.
10: There was always puritanical type of thinkers who were so simple people who were offended mm-hmm. by some dirty words. But the majority of the people were moving with them and loved them.
3: Jackie Mason.
1: I thought that guy was dead like years ago. No,
4: if, if, if you stay at... Uh, I can't think of the hotel. What's the cheap one I always stay at? Well, anyway, it, it's non stop Jackie Mason on the closed circuit television <laughs> <that> <laughs> is in your hotel. Jackie Mason, thanks for coming at Excalibur. Oh really? Just turn on the TV. Jackie you never Mason at up?
1: Excalibur, really? Yeah. What is he? Does he talking about they have the loosest slots in town? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh um, the uh, Jackie Mason, uh, Susan Reynolds and I were talking about the, uh, you know, everybody. Dude, Carlin passing is one of those things. And passing, that's funny. That's a, that's a thing that he himself often made fun of the fact that, you know, that, that as time goes on, our language gets softer and softer. Because we cloak ourselves more in euphemisms that we're so afraid to just come out and say things. And he talked to one of his famous examples is talking about how in the 1930s, talking about how soldiers coming back from war, that what they're suffering is the same, but what we call it has changed. Uh, And as we try to mask it more and more, the words get longer and longer. Like they used to suffer from shell shock. Then it was battle fatigue. Then it was something else. And now it's post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's all the same thing. It's just like the language gets softer and softer. And how, you know, nobody dies. They just pass away or whatever. But um, but Carlin dying is one of the things that everybody was talking about today. And I talked to Susan Reynolds, and, and she was saying, I can say this out loud. She was saying, But well, you know, just you just know Don Rickles is going to be next.
4: No, and I, then, that's what I was thinking last see, night. I don't want to
1: think about that. No, no, no. But see, here's my thing. Because I,
4: everybody we go to see, well, no. everybody, everybody, I didn't see Carlin. <laughs>
1: you did. I did. You did. I killed him. Uh... So uh, I only walked by Ed McMahon's house, though. Uh, so, but, but I was thinking about Rickles, and I was thinking, and I think Rickles himself would appreciate this. I had this whole skit that immediately appeared in my head, where Rickles is in fact the angel of death. That's really the thing. He won't die because Rickles, Rickles is actually the angel of death for comedians. Well, the, the strange thing is HBO is showing that Rickles special you told me about. That, oh Captain yeah, Mercury? yeah, dead, dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> where he's looking at you know? the wall, the pictures of all of his friends, dead, dead, dying, yeah. dead. So. Anyway, i got this whole skit in my head where Rickles is, in fact, the Grim Reaper of comedy. You know, where he just comes to you and, Hey, you, George Carlin, you're dead, hockey puck? Ba-da-da! And then then he just walks away. So, And the only reason I'm still alive is because he called me Eric, by mistake. So somewhere there's an Eric Emerson who just died. So, all right.
4: Uh, Hillary Clinton has uh, reappeared after disappearing. She was at a high school graduation in the Bronx. Uh, She called her run for president the most extraordinary experience that anyone could possibly have ever.
2: Being able to travel around our country, this great, sprawling, diverse country, from one end to the other, meeting thousands and thousands of people who want a better life for themselves and their families, who believe with all their heart in the
4: American dream. Please talk a bit about your campaign.
2: I have just finished the most extraordinary experience that Mm. anyone could possibly have.
1: That's all she has to say. Mm. All right. Let's see. Do we want a Tim Riley question or an observation about George Carlin? Observation. All right. Wait. Oh, okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You have an observation about George Carlin.
6: Yes. Uh, I just that he's affected everyone, you know, even to my three-year-old. Do you, I don't know if you realize, but he is one of the narrators for Thomas the Train.
1: Oh, is that true? Or Thomas, yeah. is it and Thomas the Train or Thomas the Tank Thomas the the Engine? Thomas it's the it's Tank the Engine. Thomas the Tank Engine. Why things? do I know yeah. that?
6: Alice Baldwin is too, but like there's a couple of different people in there. But I, prefer, I mean, when George Carlin narrates it, it's awesome. He was also in Cars,
8: and yeah. Stillmore,
6: and my son just, I mean, he's all will drive along. There's still more, you know. So was, I mean, it affects. He won't know who that is really, but he knows who they are by the character.
1: Carlin so, did. Uh, Carlin I mean, he, did a lot of just things. Everywhere. He really did, yeah. You know? He was, and he was a pitch man in his later years for many products, and he really, uh, Carlin has done everything. I mean, he had. What I think, two or three different New York Times number one best-selling books. He had uh, Napalm and Silly Putty, Brain Droppings was another one, and then he had uh, When Will Jesus Bring the Pork Chops, which is the one he put out two years ago that was number one. So three different New York Times bestseller books. Yeah, excellent. All right, thank you. I love the idea of Alec Baldwin being the <laughs> Alec Baldwin being Thomas, being Thomas the Tank Engine, because I just pictured Thomas. going, you are a thoughtless little pig. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Uh, You're probably wondering what Laura Bush is up to these days. Not really. Uh, She was in Boston over the weekend uh, planting flowers at the Charlestown Navy Yard.
6: You planted the echinacea and the roses in uh, what was historically the Commandant's Garden. So you had a historical purpose as well as an environmental
4: purpose, didn't you, by planting those?
1: To whom is she speaking? Children, of course. Oh, I'm sorry, Tim. I should have known. The answer is always children. children. All right. She wouldn't have gone there if it wasn't for the children. No, of course not. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
4: Oh,
10: uh, <coughs> Epic Man, Buddy Doors, Oscillating Fan. What are my choices for news? Epic Man, Buddy Doors, Oscillating Fan. What are my choices for news?
1: Thank you. <laughs> what kind of, you know, what? what that the extent of your uh, call today? Mike, Mike, no, we no, actually, i uh, never said that. No, no, that's not what we said, <laughs> sir. It would be wrong to say that. We okay. are not saying that.
4: Okay. No one said
1: that. No one made that observation or implication, sir. No one at all.
4: Thank you. Thank you. So, bye. It's a loving relationship.
1: What did you have over there, Sarah? Got a little uh, something for us there? What oh, I don't know. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, she said, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. KCB Portland. White wheat
2: sourdough English muffin bagel.
1: White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. And clearly she had it holed down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like, flow. White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. I just want to dance around with a glow today. White Wheat Sourdough English muffin Bagel. I love this song so much. What are my choices like our own Night at the Roxbury? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat,
2: sourdough, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, he put out that fun music in the background, too. Yeah.
1: no. In the beat. Uh, there's a guy who actually, uh, there's a guy who's been making some really hilarious mashups like that for Court and Fatboy. They're all relentlessly profane. I mean, like, way, way more than we would ever play. Uh, I think he's working on that. That sounds like, like something they dance to on Swingtown. It does, <laughs> doesn't it, really? Which I still, see, now I almost want to see it because, because you are so firmly in the pro Swingtown camp, and then Peter Carlin is so again it. Uh, that I I really kind of want to watch it just to see where I come down on the on the on the whole thing. So, all right, here's Tim Riley.
4: Oh, I do want to remind you that the news is brought to you by Leafe's Auto Collision Centers and Leafe's.com. Find out today what Leif's can do for you. at com. There's an older woman coming to the Gossip Girls. You hear that, kids? It's going to be Matched in Emick. Uh She was on the short-lived uh, program, Viva Laughlin, She's set to join the CW series as uh, a group of underprivileged New York City high school students get together. Oh, they're not underprivileged. Actually, they're privileged. I am expected to uh, play a May-December love interest for Nate, whoever that is. The second season of Gossip Girl is expected to premiere September 1st. It also stars a whole bunch of people uh, that you kids have heard of, so I'm not going to try to pronounce their names. A Hollywood Reporter has claimed that producers plan to base a new series on the It Girl books, which are written by Gossip Girl author Cicely von <laughs> Uh Tom Brokaw is going to take over Meet the Press for we don't know how long, but every time he retires, he ends up back on TV again. I didn't think he'd retired. Yeah, he retired. Oh, That's when uh, Brian, uh, not Brian Jones. Brian Williams. Uh, <laughs> Brian Jones. I, I get Brian Williams uh, confused <laughs> with Brian Jones, but I know it's Brian. Yes. <laughs> well, we can... Anyway, uh, the current NBC Evening News anchor, Brian Williams, made the announcement on Sunday's program. We're fortunate to have Tom not only, of course, as part of our NBC News political all-star team, certainly a big part of our NBC Nightly News family. And allow me to
1: add, during these past difficult days, Tom's been an enormous comfort here in this Washington bureau. Does anybody want to guess on who's going to die next? Anybody? No. Celebrity? No. Yes. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to figure out what celebrity might die next. Not like a whole Deadpool where you're doing like a whole year's worth or whatever. I'm just saying. I, I don't
4: want to think who I think it's going to be.
1: Wait, do you have somebody in mind?
4: We already mentioned them.
1: Don Rickles. Yes. Now, see here, I don't see. I don't think that's true. Nobody, I, nobody would have thought it was a true about Carlin either. I guess. I mean, Rickles seems like he's in pretty good health for it's like a thousand years old. I mean, Carlin was not doing himself any favors. I mean, you know, he snort cocaine for 20 years, and I think he'd already had like four heart attacks. So, um, yeah, the weird thing about uh, Carlin dying is the thing that sort of will unnerve you is because y- you like to think it's sort of a heart attack. You don't like to think of a heart attack, but <laughs> you love thinking of heart attacks. Uh, you know, but you typically you think of a heart attack as being the guy who's, you know, the what, red fox, you know, Elizabeth, you know, and then he clapped your chest and bam, dead.
4: Uh, that wouldn't surprise
1: anyone. But I mean, the thing but, but Carlin apparently, though, was well enough to actually like walk to the hospital or what, like he drove to the hospital. And they said, what's up, George? Well, I got this pain in my chest. And then they gave him some tests and whatever, and then the next thing you know, he was dead. Um uh, like John Ritter. Saying, kind of sort of, the same. Well, yeah, isn't thing where John Ritter's just standing there? No, I, uh, I don't know. I just got a little kind of a weird, you know, and then it just fell over. Yeah. Didn't feel like a heart attack. Also, John Mellencamp, uh, where John Mellencamp actually had a heart attack, didn't know it, went to bed because he, quote, felt kind of sick. It it's felt like he had the flu. He said he felt like he had the flu in his arms. Uh, he said his arms felt all weird, and his friends. I like, get
2: what? that. I totally get that when I get the flu.
1: Well, see, that's see. And I used to get these terrible, terrible panic attacks um, that I took Advan for, and then thank God they went away and they never came back. But but the, the comfort that that my wife would always give me, which I think is a lie, is she would always because the thing is when you have a panic attack, I mean it's like the most cliche thing in the world. When you have a panic attack, the panic attack, the first reaction of somebody with a real panic attack is they call 911, uh, which I did. Because you think you're having a heart attack because it's a chest pain and your heart, your chest seizes up and you get, and you, 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 um, get lightheaded and you fall down. And, um, and so my wife would say, no, 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 no." you know, here's, here's the thing to, and that's of course, that just makes the panic attack worse because you feel like you're having a heart attack and then you, the panic attack starts to build on itself because you think you're having some sort of heart problem. And my wife tried to get me to calm down. She would say like, well, here's the thing to remember. If it was a heart attack you'd already be dead. So the fact that it's still going on after like a couple minutes, that means it's not a heart attack. And then I found out that that wasn't true at all because Mellencamp and the whole thing of like, I don't know, I just feel kind of, i don't feel out of the weather. I'm going to take a nap. And then he went to the hospital like a day and a half later. And the guy looks at the and He's like, yes, you had a huge heart attack. And yet he was still walking around after a day and a half. That kind of thing weirds me out. So I don't even like to watch heart attacks on television. So convinced am I that that's how I'm going to die. So I used to have... Let me ask you this, if we can become all, I don't believe in a lot of hocus pocus, as they say, but do you, like, have you ever had, like, a really, really realistic dream about your own demise and then somehow you become convinced that's really how you're going to go out? No. Mm -mm. Oh, see, and I when I was a kid, I was a real little kid. I couldn't have, it must have been only, like, maybe five or six. I had this really hyper-realistic dream that I was shot, which is kind of a weird thing to be dreaming out when you were a kid, I suppose. But I had this, I can remember it, I won't go into the whole details, but I remember it's like it was yesterday. I was about five or six, and I had this dream that somebody shot me. And then for years, I was convinced that that's how I was going to die. Like, all the way, from, I mean, the next five or six years, because that kind of stuff sort of sticks with you. Um, but then that's been replaced by a heart attack. So at this point, I just assume it's going to be a heart
2: we attack. I always have my, like, post-apocalyptic alien invasion dreams. That seems so real to me, too, that those kind of plague me.
1: So while I'm having a heart attack, you will be attacked by tentacle creatures from some other world. There we go. And Tim will outlive us all. Now I'm going to have cancer. Really? Yes. Good, good for you. Let's all have cancer. Um, but And then, so remember, I was watching uh, we, we at the uh, end of last season's Mad Men. There's an episode. watching his name? Roger Sterling. Had oh, a, yeah. See, and I'm kind of giving myself a a little bit of a freak out just by talking about it. Oh, right that's now. the Kepler story in uh, the Sunday Times Magazine. And Entertainment Weekly about mm-hmm. the comeback of Mad Men. Uh, July 22nd, I believe. Yes. Um, but I remember watching that episode of Mad Men where Roger Sterling has... Not the one where he has the first heart attack, because you don't see that one. Mm. Oh, God, see, it kind of freaks me out. I'm kind of getting short of breath just talking about it, because it weirds me out so badly. But that episode where Roger Sterling has come back from having, he's been in the hospital for a heart attack, and they wheel him into that client meeting, because the clients want to see that he's still in control of the agency, because they want to lose the business. Uh, and so the client is in the boardroom, and Roger Sterling is there having been in the hospital for a heart attack, and he's like, and he's, he's trying to show that, no, 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 I'm I'm fit as a fiddle. No, I had a little heart trouble, but I'm back. I am still leading this firm, Cooper Sterling. And so he starts, like, eating a corned beef sandwich and, like, drinking. And then he lights up a cigarette and starts smoking a cigarette in the boardroom to show how recovered from his heart attack he really is. And at that moment, I just saw it all coming, and I just got, I just, sent I cinched up, like, I got more and more tense, and I got more and more ratcheted up. And then of course, what happens? He has a heart attack and falls over the table. And I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna have, have a stroke. That was so stressful for me to watch. So, in any event, so we'll all be in different wings. Tim will be in the cancer ward. I'll be in uh, the cardiac care unit, and Sarah will be outside being hauled aboard an alien rape ship. Here's Tim
4: Riley. Ew. The Serve Man is a cookbook. She's <laughs> being pulled up the ramp. Look
1: at you with a reference. It's a cookbook. You know what that is, Tim? That's ironic. To serve man. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you remember the name of the alien race? I don't. They were called Canamits. Oh, that's right. Canamits. Yeah. That's what I do. Sounds like a breath freshener. <laughs> now, with the great taste of human, here's Tim Riley.
4: Well, let's talk to you about, I should say, all you fans of Beverly Hills 90210. Plants continue to come together for a new spin-off. The cast of the upcoming CW series will feature original stars Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling, Forward 90210 alum Ian Zering says he will not be joining them for the fun. Oh. There's been some
9: informal inquiries
10: but uh no offers or anything like that. And you know honestly I'm completely fine with that. I've
1: got so much on my plate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure.
8: Oh that's sad. My cleaning
1: carpets. Oh. oh boy. Can you play that one more time? Wait, no. hold on. Let's back up here for a second. I didn't watch 90210. I was in the I was in the you know the right age group but Probably the not the right demographic. So I, I had many friends who watched it, but I, I did not. Uh, Sarah, Ian Ziering, explain who he was and what he did in the show.
2: Ian Ziering played the character of Steve Sanders. He was kind of a a, a cad. He would, um, he was very promiscuous in high school. He was he had, rakish. Came, came from a lot of money. You know, of course, his parents didn't love him as much as he needed to. And he was in love with Kelly, blah, blah, blah. Ends up uh, at the end marrying Janet and having a kid. And they all, like, lived together in the Walsh house, which is really weird. All right. He's okay. He's kind of an annoying character. He's he's very over the top.
1: So, you um, any so then so then he won't be coming back for this. Now is this a spinoff with all of the original cast members? But I think that they're making.
2: I don't know. I know. Yeah, because they're bringing back Donna Martin and Kelly Taylor, and I guess Kelly or Donna, one of the two, is like playing the principal of the new school or something. Oh. It's gonna be bad. Yeah. And
1: I am gonna watch it. All right. Religiously. Okay. Can you play this cut from Aaron Zeering again? Mm-hmm. There have been some
10: informal inquiries, but. Uh... No offers or anything like that, and you know honestly, I'm completely fine with that. I've got so much on my plate.
2: Oh, 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 oh. What does Ian Ziering have on his plate? Let's Spam. That now. I
1: was just gonna say fail. <laughs> I got a far. big, uh, I got a big plate full of fail here.
2: It's Ian. I forgot about that. Oh,
1: Ian Ziering. I'm Whatever. On. No, you're not. You must be French. Yeah, okay, right. he's
2: working on. Uh, he's in post production of Baby on Board.
1: That sounds promising. Yeah. Anything else? No, that's it.
2: That's it, really? Oh, mean he's done a, a TV movie called Lava Storm. Oh,
1: well, that's just... That's really <sighs> bad. All yeah, right. I don't see anything else. Uh, somebody's asking if Amy Winehouse will be next. You know, the thing is, you always think it's going to be... Remember how we thought Britney Spears? People were like, no, 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 it's uh, Britney Spears. She's going to... And then, you know, I said at the time, the people like that that you... I'm not going to say you wish for their death, but, the, you know, the, they just sort of seem to be asking for it. They live forever. Yeah. They never die. So... Uh, all right, do you have that Amy Winehouse story? Do I? Yeah, I have it over here. I think you do. Um, here, I'll. There's here's the... Uh... <laughs> read, you should read the headline, and then I'll tell you a brief story about the headline before you read the story. It
4: says here. Should I read the headline first?
1: Just read the headline, and I'll tell you a little bit of background, and then you can read the whole story. Amy Winehouse
4: officially deceased. Now, see? That's what I thought it said, too. Read it again. Amy Winehouse officially deceased. Diseased? It's
1: diseased. <laughs> See, I did exactly, and I know how to read just like you do. So, what am I doing I last night? Better. I had a little shock last night. I was actually, well, I had two shocks in a row. I mean, this was before the Carlin thing, which really just sucker punched me last night. But I'm online last night, and I go to Google News, and it said, Amy, and I went, Amy, and I called him, I am Amy Winehouse officially deceased. And then I looked back, and I went, Oh, diseased. So I'm glad to see that you had that. I did exactly that last night. I was all excited for a moment, then it was taken away from me. All right, so this is um, this is thrilling, though. Here's the Amy Winehouse disease story. And do you know what disease she has, Sarah? No. What 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 disease would you guess?
8: Mm.
1: If you had to guess what Amy Winehouse has, you might not Some guess
2: Some kind it. of hepatitis?
1: No, that's a good guess, though. Doesn't she look like somebody yeah. that would have hepatitis? Uh-huh. No, that's... Uh, no, I will say this: it is not the, uh, it's not uh, a, like a disease one would get from blood or the sex.
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Cause I...
1: What is Amy Winehouse known for doing all the time? What crack. is she? Op- there you go. What do you do with crack? Smoke it. Okay, you're on the right trail. What do you get from that? Crack from doing Rutgers
2: that?
1: Crack disease. <laughs> Crackitis.
2: What do you get from smoking crack? That sounds like a joke. Um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it really does.
2: Um, lung cancer?
1: Very close, Tim.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Emphysema.
4: I'll read it in its entirety. <laughs> Huge shocker, crack, cigarette, and who knows what else smoking train wreck Amy Winehouse is. She has a lung disease. Her whiny's father, that's what she's called by her friends, a uh, Mitch, spilled the beans on her hospitalization, admitting the 21-year-old had contacted emphysema, the same disease Johnny Carson died of when he was 79. It took
1: Johnny Carson 79 years to die from that. She's 24. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know she was 24, by the way. I thought she was in her 30s. Yes. I mean, I really. She's younger than you are. I mean, I had no idea. I thought she was 30 something. So, anyway, so uh, what Johnny Carson took 80 years to die from, she apparently is, uh, is gotten
3: out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's got 70% lung capacity. <laughs> she's Ooh. been to the hospital since collapsing in her London
4: uh, home last week.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, she does. So, here's the thing about emphysema. If it is indeed true that she has it, and her dad says she does. So you may say the obligatory denial from the publicist, but it does seem like uh, the cat is uh, out of the bag. Um, so that is, of course, a degenerative and irreversible disease. There is no curing that. You got emphysema. You got emphysema forever, and it is degenerative. And the only thing you can do to extend your lifespan if you have emphysema is to be on oxygen all the time. Oh, man. Oxygen everywhere you go, especially if you're at any sort of high altitude, if you're on a plane, whatever. So if she's got that. I mean, typically, once you get emphysema, that's all for you because there's no, like I said, it is, it is incurable and degenerative, which means every single month it gets worse uh, and uh, so forth. So, I mean, typically, it's a thing that you get from being a chain smoker. And as Chris Paddock pointed out, that she uh, all she really chain smokes is crack, though. <laughs> chain smoking crack is really, that's no way to go through life, dear. So, uh, you know, lucky to do. So there you go. What can you do? Nothing, nothing, Tim, nothing. A at woman
4: all. faces 20 years in prison for smoking on a commercial flight and slugging a flight attendant. He's going to be in federal court in Denver today. 35-year-old Christine Slezel of New York lit hey, up a Sleazel cigarette on a San Francisco to New York flight aboard JetBlue. While well, confronted by a flight attendant, Slezel began yelling obscenities, including racial epithets, and says the attendant punched the. Fl- oh, the says she punched the punched the flight attendant. The plate was diverted to DIA, whatever that is. They judge allowed her to be released from custody on ten thousand dollars bond, as long as she stays away from airplanes and stays off the booze. All right.
1: Uh, I think my, you know, I think my wife is going to be flying JetBlue uh, when she travels this coming fall. Aren't you flying JetBlue I'm, to New York?
2: I am. I paid extra money to fly JetBlue.
1: Yeah. No, she has this whole. I'm thing not going
2: to be on some crap commercial airline when I know JetBlue has a lot of leg room. I get my own cable, like tel- television.
1: Totally. That's her whole thing too, is because she's flying from. I guess Portland, to it can't be one flight from here to Peru. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes to fly to Peru. A long time, I would imagine. So she's flying from here, I think, maybe to, like, where's Peru, Tim? It's South, South America. America. But, I mean, where is that? Is it below something? Like, is it below Texas or below Florida? Or? Yes,
4: it's below Central America.
1: Okay, so I think she would probably fly you know, from...
4: Central America's got that little tail
1: that hangs onto to South America. So then she would likely fly from here to maybe Texas, yeah. Or something, and then fly from Texas to the Amazon. Zom, Uh And uh, it's weird. I'm, like, looking at the guidebook or, the you know, like the little, uh, not the guidebook, but the, uh, the, 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 the 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 list that, like, the U.S. government gives you when you're getting ready to fly to the Amazon. It's, like, a whole list of, like, inoculations you have to get, you know, like malaria and the plague or whatever. And then there's a whole lot of, like, remember while traveling in boats not to dangle one's feet or hands in the water as they may be eaten by carnivorous fish. And it's just, like, a whole lot of weird. Um, but she's flying JetBlue. And that's her whole thing. She's like, you know what? She's like, if I'm going to be on a plane for like 17 hours, uh, and then I'm going to be walking 26 miles through the jungle, she's like, I'm going to have booze on the way there. I'm going to have booze and legroom there and back. Mm-hmm. So good for her. What's there to do in Peru? Uh, walk 26 miles through the Amazon to a series of Incan temples and make me feel like a loser. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
7: Hi, sir uh, Tim Rick. Hello. Just wanted to, uh, since since uh, Tim said that he would he would choose cancer. Uh, if you remember the story when. Uh, well, I
1: suppose uh, if there were other things on the menu like mangoes, he might choose that more. But no, I I don't like mangoes.
7: But anyway, uh, I was wondering if you recall the uh, the story when uh, George Carlin was talking about Richard Pryor and the heart attack story. Mm. And if you wish, I'll record. It's very short. It's uh, when. Uh, uh, George was saying he had a heart attack and he was very competitive with Richie at the time. And he said, and, uh, oh, Richie Pryor had a heart attack, and I had a heart attack. And he had another heart attack, and I had a heart attack. And then Richie Pryor set himself on fire and I said, F that, and had another heart attack.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Richard Pryor, boy, I forgot about that. That's another bad, boy, what is it with comedians? Richard Pryor had that whole thing where he was freebasing and then set himself on fire and ran down the street ablaze. That's no good. You don't want to do that. No. So, all right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Best show ever. Right, Thank you, my friend. All right. Is this Bob Costantini? Yes, it is. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, Hey Heed, to CNN Radio Correspondence, Bob Costantini. Hello, sir. Hi, Rick. How are you? How are you, brother? I'm a little down because of George Carlin, but that's okay. Life is sure. for the living.
11: Uh Yes, I'm sure George would be... Uh... Uh, urging you to, uh, get on and, uh, you know, be funny, do your best to smile
1: through it all. Were you a, uh, how's were you, that? Were you, <laughs> were you a George Carlin aficionado? Uh,
11: not to any great extent. I do, um, my, uh, my college roommate, this is, this is funny, uh, insisted on playing over and over and over about a thousand times at least. My, my first college roommate, um, his, uh, 1972 album, um, The name of which suddenly escaped. Probably, it
1: was either AMFM or probably Occupation Fool.
11: Uh, I think it was AMFM.
1: AMFM. Yeah.
11: Um, He insisted on playing that over and over and over again uh, to the point where, of course, you knew all the jokes. Was your just wasn't funny anymore?
1: Was your roommate stoned a lot? No, no. <laughs> because early George Carlin comedy, not so his later stuff. His early comedy was sort of uh, favored by a lot of potheads. Yes, it was sort of on rotation right next to the Cheech and Chong wedding album. Yeah, I mean, and I and I can tell you as much as I'm kind of a lame, as much as I'm a square, I have to. Tell you, I have lived with enough dudes. I never, ever, 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 ever again need to hear the. Dave's not here. If I ever hear that Dave's not here routine again, I mean, I'm going to toss myself off a bridge, really. I still
11: remember some of the Carlin routines because he played them so much, um, uh, including the one where – and the one he liked to play was because I was from Baltimore. It was the newscast where it's it's 11 o'clock in New York, 10 o'clock in Chicago, uh, 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. In Baltimore, it's 645. And he um, he would play that over and over and over again all because Carlin's, he knew I was from Baltimore.
1: And his early comedy all had that sort of weird kind of absurdist musing, yeah. sort of thing. Just just things, things that sort of that were just a little sideways. Like his early yeah. comedy was a little his his early comedy was much more gentle than the stuff he did later in life. It was with every passing year, his comedy became sharper and a little more abrasive. But he would have those those early comedy bits that Carlin would do where he would talk about. You know, the differences in language or just sort of absurdist notions. Like he had yeah. that one again, it was the same newscaster uh character yeah. where he would say, like a man attempting to walk around the world, drowned today and like that was the extent of it. And it's it, which is just a little bit of a, a little bit of a sideways kind of way of thinking that you know, that he would And move. who could
11: ever forget uh the Escalator or the moving stairway? What if it really was a moving stairway? Is the stairway over there? No, it's over here now. <laughs>
1: I can tell you did in fact you have
11: it. that roommate. It is burned into my brain, yes.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I think that is a um I think also that comedy routines and listening to them a billion times, I think that is kind of a guy thing and a certain yeah. kind of guy. Because I did that of course. I mean I have I'm thinking now I have comedy albums that I listen to I mean, Jesus, 50, 60, 70, 80, a yeah. thousand times. Uh, I mean, some of the ones that come to mind were uh, a lot of George Carlin stuff, like the, you know, some of the later stuff, and then like the Playing With Your Head album I listen to all the time, and uh, Jesus, what else? Bill Cosby. Um, Steve Martin, I guess. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 yeah, the Steve Martin, the, the, um, that, all of the early Bill Cosby stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, why is there air? Why? To blow up volleyballs uh and all of the noah and the ark stuff and the bill Cosby yeah. himself record and god help me i watched gallagher specials every now and again before i reached the you age of
11: me there yeah before i reach
1: the age of reason because when you're about nine years old watching a guy with weird hair smash a watermelon that's fantastic that's like the height of art and then you then you kind of wake up one day and go this is dumb and you move on so all right well in any event um Hey, so here's the thing. We've been on this sort of jag of talking about energy, energy prices, and oil yeah. and gas and whatever. And I know there's only so much to say about that, but there's this story here where it says congressional Democrats say one way to lower oil and gasoline prices maybe to quote attack excessive speculation in crude yeah. oil training. First of all, I don't know what they, I don't know how it is that you attack. This does sound like a carlin routine. How does one attack speculation? Um,
11: well, I've been listening to this hearing today, and I will say. Uh, it almost requires an advanced degree to pretty much uh, understand a lot of the acronyms they're throwing around and and what it all means. But um, the bottom line is this. Um, Even pension funds, those of us who have pensions or whatever, a lot of pension funds have been investing in oil speculation lately, and that's the commodities market, you know, oil futures trading and those kinds of things. And the speculation has driven up a significant amount of the price of oil, according to those who testified at this hearing uh, so far today, uh, as much as doubling the price of oil just on speculation alone. Now, there's a, there's a counter-argument to that and, and the, the Bush administration continues to maintain it's largely a supply and demand matter. Uh, but a lot of these witnesses today at this hearing on Capitol Hill um, said that you know, the speculation has become so rampant that the government should try to rein it in somehow, especially uh, some of these trading houses, uh, the commodities traders, who issue reports such as, well, the price of oil could go up to $250 a barrel. Well, that, of course, naturally drives up the price of oil and helps their speculative interests. Um, You know, the question arises, there are nine bills on Capitol Hill right now to try to rein in this oil speculation. Uh, one of the questions that comes up, not, not, not to mention the fact that the president might not sign such a bill if it, if it passes Congress. Um, but the question also is that, you know, it's, it becomes a constitutional issue. Um, can you tell people not to speculate on something and not to predict something? Uh, those sorts of things that, that issues that might come up. And it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of posturing on the part of, uh, the members of Congress here. Um, you know, there's also the idea that, would such legislation get through the Senate, um, you know, get 60 votes it would need in the Senate? But, again, there are nine bills to try to rein in speculation. That's how big an issue this has become, I was
1: Rick. I would say at this point, the constitutionality has never really stood in this uh, administration's <laughs> way of just telling people what they can and cannot do.
11: Well, the administration would be against uh, those kinds of that kind of legislation anyway. They've, they've made it clear again today. Let me,
1: let me just put forward a slice of personal observation here that you uh, need not comment upon. Sure. Let me just say, and I think I speak for Tim Riley here, when it says congressional Democrats want to lower oil and gasoline prices by attacking excessive speculation, if we could just replace the phrase excessive speculation with the phrase Saudi Arabia, I'm no. Just saying, no, I'm just saying I'm speaking for Tim and myself when I say that that might be a way to get the oil prices down and really to make everybody feel, and really to make the world a better place. That's this is
11: the uh, New York mercantile exchange kind of thing, commodities exchanges. That That's what they're talking about by and large today. Oh, I, oh, I know. Not necessarily what the Saudis are doing, and that, that's a different matter. and We can discuss that.
0: So I, just, I just think, think it's
1: a good idea in general. All right. All right, Bob Costantini, as always, a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy your day. We will uh, speak with you very soon. Thank Take
0: care, Rick. All right, there you go.
1: Did you see this other snuff watch, Tim? Is there another one? Yes, it's... You may or may not know who this is. Uh, in addition to George Carlin, Tim, we now... This is from Susan Reynolds. We now bid farewell to stage and TV comedian Dodie Goodman. Oh, yeah,
4: she's in the 50s, early 60s, something like that.
1: Dies at 93. Dodie Goodman, a delightfully daffy comedian known for her television appearances on Jack Parr's late-night talk show and as the mother on the soap opera parody Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman has died at 93. So there you go. Uh, this also wins Sarah Dillon, so I have now more extensive casting for Youth and Revolt. Yes. All right, so here's who we've got cast in Youth and Revolt so far, according to IMDb. Michael Sarah as Nick Twisp. As, uh, George Twisp, his father, Steve Buscemi. Okay, yeah, yeah, you said that one before. Some of these have already been announced. As Lance Westcott, who is the cop that his mom dates, Ray Liotta of Goodfellas fame. Perfect. Uh, Let's see. Perfect. As Estelle Twisp, his mother, Jean Smart, from Designing Women. What else has Jean Smart been in?
2: She's been in numerous Lifetime movies, that's all I know. She
1: her. is one of those women. She and here's the, she always plays a strong, empowered mother. Like, and she's like a Kim Cattrall of an earlier era, sort she, of. They're very similar. Yeah. I mean, you could sort of see her as an honorary sex in the city type. Uh, So, yeah, from Designing Women, uh, Jean Smart as his mom. M. Emmett Walsh, who is a character actor that... He's one of those you-know-him-if-you-see-him guys. Um, He doesn't say who he's going to be. I'm assuming he's going to be Mr. Ferguson, who is Nick's uh, activist next-door neighbor.
2: Have they announced who the girl is yet? Well,
1: here's the thing (gasps) about that. They announced... But see, it's a lot of names I don't recognize because I'm old. Uh, They've announced who is going to be playing Lacey, who is his dad's uh, kind of trampy girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, Taggarty, who is Sheenie's roommate... Uh, lefty VJ, and then they have announced as Sheeny Saunders.
2: Oh God, was it my worst nightmare?
1: What is your worst nightmare? Mem-
2: Evan Rachel Wood?
1: No, it's not or Rachel her.
2: Evan Wood. Whatever her name is. is. somebody.
1: You mean Mar- oh Marilyn Manson's girlfriend? Yeah, she's nutty. Boy, oh, she I, is nutty and irritating. Like her. Oh, and yeah. I, I was just I was fearful that they were going to cast her. They've cast somebody I don't really know. Uh, she's from um, she's from something called the United States of Terror. She's never been anything. Her name is Portia Doubleday. They got a picture of her. And, I mean, she kind of looks like how Sheenie would look to me. Because, you know, Sheenie, and it's, she's way, 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 way too old for this now. But at the time when I read Youth and Revolt, and the uh, CD Payne fans in the house know what I'm talking about, at the time when I would, when I thought of Sheenie Saunders, oh, I, she's think, cute. I thought of Alicia Silverstone. Like, back in the day, that's who I thought. I wanted Alicia Silverstone to play her. Mm-hmm. And obviously that time has passed. But um, you know, she, she looks like she could pull it off. And I like the fact that she's sort of an unknown. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it's not, as you said, like some, uh, you know, like some, you know, whatever, some some slut from the hills or whatever. All right, here's Tim
4: Riley. Well, here we are back again. Gresham kids are learning about guns and gravity. Of course. Okay. Uh, police arrested two teens last night after a bullet was fired into the air and came back to Earth. <laughs> These kids didn't know that when you shoot in the air, the bullet eventually does come down. Outcome-based education, Tim. <clears throat> no, there are some neighborhoods where this wouldn't even be in discussion, but it is there. A uh, police were dispatched in two incidents about the same time at 10 o'clock last night. Somebody said, there are possible fireworks going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, another report involved a teen shot in the foot. Uh, the victim is a 16-year-old Josh Kuga of Gresham Ito Police. He was outside when he heard what he thought were fireworks. Then he felt pain in the foot looked down. It was bleeding. It looked to me there was a bullet stuck in his
1: foot. Wait, hold on. So, wait, is this the same kid who fired the gun or is this some other kid? No, this is the victim. No, 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 but I mean, who who was injured by the falling bullet? Josh koga How, what relation does he have to the guys who fired the gun? He just happened to be standing outside. So he was in another part of town, maybe? No, he was close by when the gun was fired. Because it seems to me that if, unless you, that's pretty impressive in a strange way, because it seems like you fire a gun.
4: About a block away, it says here.
1: Oh, he was, okay, I guess that makes sense, that you fire a gun straight up, but if it's more or less straight up, it angled ever so slightly. Yes. The degree will be amplified and no fault. That, that would be weird. You just, well, I mean, if you're being aggressive, you must be used to it. I've been standing outside and a bullet coming and hitting you in the foot.
4: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh for 18-year-old Emilio Villagrana and a 16-year-old both live in the same apartment complex. He's been taken to jail. The 16-year-old is uh, being charged as a juvenile. Police who recovered the gun believed involved in the incident and Koga was treated and released. So just another day in Gresham. i will be beating uh, all around. Please warn that if you fire a gun into the air, the bullet will come right
1: back down. Also, if you were... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm going to back up.
4: Uh, let's do one call, and we'll take
1: a break. Sarah has to get some coffee. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show.
10: Mythbusters did it already. They did the gunfire up in the air. Okay, then. But um, that's not why I called.
1: It says here that your name is... is okay, yeah. You were calling about the moon?
10: Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't get a chance to listen to your show until I'm at work. Uh huh. I usually just power through a week's show in about two or two days. Yes, sir. Uh, but I did a little, I guess, experiment last night on the moon. Was I took my cell phone and took pictures of it at each individual hour, and there's no change. That's how you figure it out. Is you can't, your mind can get fooled, but your camera can.
1: All right, then. So you're saying at various points during the night, the moon was always of a standard or static size.
10: Yeah, it was like. A, it wasn't know. moving.
1: It wasn't moving.
10: No, it wasn't it, moving across the sky, but it didn't change in its diameter size.
1: Excellent. All right, because that was a yeah. – that wasn't was, – yes.
10: Listening to you try to explain science is horrible and laughable <laughs> at the same time. I'm sorry.
4: <laughs> That's okay, sir. Your heart must be broken. That's
1: okay.
10: I, I, swear, I swear to God, either call me or call the, the homeschool kid. Just get your questions answered.
1: Thank you. What is your favorite Monty Python movie? Uh, holy grail. Of course it is. Thank you, my friend.
10: All right. Have a good day. All right. Bye now.
1: What can you do? Hey, the reptile guy's here. All right, careful walk into the bathroom. We don't want more blood back there.
2: Wait, to the kitchen. I need to get
1: more coffee. Oh, yeah, to the kitchen to make coffee. (laughs) Look over there. Back after this, it's The Rick Emerson Show. He, I thought he was gone. I didn't think he was still around. I believe that's what he said. Well,
0: yeah. what could he do?
1: Uh, Rick, after hearing Tim's editorial speculation regarding Ed McMahon's broken neck, I keep having strange flashes of some sort of abuse case in court with Mr. McMahon on the witness stand in Big Neck brace, being cross-examined and being asked questions like, has she threatened you before? And Ed answering in his big voice, yes, sir. <laughs> That's a funny sketch right there. That is. Or the lawyer saying, is the person who shoved you down the front steps in the courtroom today? And Ed then pointing at her and saying, hey-oh. All right, that's (laughs) funny. Attention, Mad TV. You can have that. Uh, Let's see. Rick, about that blood on the door, you know, Sarah touched one of her moist membranes after touching the bloody door. No, I
2: did not touch the door.
1: Only one thing to do now. Aim for the head. (laughs) Sorry about your uh, future zombification, Sarah. All right, uh, Richie Bristol, can you uh, join us here in the studio for just one second before we uh, welcome the uh, the reptile guy in? That would uh, be fantastic mm-hmm. if you'd do that. Excellent. All right, Richie Bristol uh, joining us now. Hello, how are you? Feeling any better? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound it. Come on, fireball. <laughs> oh, no. You know, your pockets are all turned out. Oh. <laughs> so,
2: so when did you get back into town? This morning?
1: Last night.
5: So, did you go out
2: last night?
1: No. You know what you sound like right when you're just speaking? Right there. Wow. Boy, that was chunky. Jesus. Mm. All right. So you started drinking Friday night. You quit drinking or you paused your drinking Saturday morning at 8 a.m. For breakfast. Of course. And then when did you begin drinking again? By lunch. Lunch being like noon?
5: Yeah. (laughs) I think I had two hours sleep. Did
2: you go with the lady?
5: A few of there
1: course. Lots of videos. <laughs> is this when
8: you were running around <laughs> wow, while you dress?
1: Uh-huh. Why is there a video of you dressed as a woman chasing around another man? Well, there's, uh,
5: you know, the Banks Fire Department over there. Uh-huh. I chased them around.
1: While dressed as a woman.
5: Uh-huh. They liked it, though. It was kind of weird. They, they were, were asking for the
1: it. Banks Fire Department?
5: Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> where is
5: it? The Banks? You know where Banks is? Uh, the Banks. The Banks is what you said. Oh, Jaga Binks or whatever. Okay. Never mind. Charred you realize you're feet? talking
1: gibberish right now, <laughs> Yeah. Right? Okay.
5: My brain's kind of shoddy.
1: Okay. Is the reptile guy here? Yes, he is. And uh, his name is Richard. Richard Ritchie. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So I, Rick, am talking to you, Richie, about a guy named Richard Ritchie. Uh-huh. Yeah! <laughs> All right. Uh, so shall we bring him in? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. With,
5: uh, he's got a lot of animals.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we probably don't want to leave them unattended in the kitchen. You know, there's DJs around here. They might eat them. That's going to end badly. Yeah, you don't want to go back there and a bunch of Gila monsters right. running around or whatever. All right. So, uh, Richie, in just a moment, we'll be uh, bringing into the studio uh, Richard Richie. Wow. Boy, Richie is really...
2: He's a little crazy. Today. I mean, I'm not
1: saying he's still drunk today, but, I mean, would it surprise you if he found out he was? Uh, would that shock any he of us? He
2: could be drunk. We'd have, we have no way of telling. I suppose that's true.
1: <gasps> we got to get, like... What are those what? things, those things you can buy at like the Rite Aid that you go, and you blow into, and it, it's oh, the like a it, little instant breathalyzer?
2: I still have one of those from, like, years ago when we were on KOTK. Really? Yeah. Do, do you have it around? Um, No, I have it, yeah, in my house somewhere.
1: You should bring that in at some point. I'd like to do just spot checks on Richie throughout the day just to see, like, how drunk he is exactly. Okay. All right, so, uh, so Richard Richie, uh, the reptile guy, is uh, now joining us in the studio. The reptile man has worked with reptiles for 27 years And has been providing educational presentations since 1991. Uh, 16 reptiles are included in a one hour program designed to educate and entertain in a professional atmosphere, performing over 480 presentations annually for group sizes ranging from 5 to 800 people and uh, so forth. Uh, Richard Ritchie, hello, sir. Hello, Rick. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic, (laughs) my friend. Uh, so, so I don't remember how this started. We had some story about alligators and da 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 and then it snowballed into you suddenly now being in the studio. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but I just walked into the kitchen, and there's one, two, three, four, I don't know, what, seven or eight crates or or something? Plastic crates? Nine crates. Nine. Nine crates. And these are sort of like, uh, I don't know, like maybe sort of big Rubbermaid tubs like you would keep... Like, you would store things in at your house. Right. Except instead of having, like, cooking utensils, they're alligators or whatever. Just, just their traveling containers. So so how long have you, I mean, I, I just read some of this, but you wouldn't, how long have you been, how does one become a reptile man?
3: Well, I've loved reptiles ever since I was seven years old. It almost seems I was born with it, and I've kept them as a hobby my entire life. And about 17 years ago, I had a teacher call. I don't know how she found out about it, but she knew I had reptiles. Asked me to come in and do a little program for the the kids at the school. Kids and, love reptiles. Oh, see, kids don't fear anything. No, they haven't learned that fear yet. So you walk in there and they just go crazy. I life fear many goes. many things. It's a learned, okay, learned thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll see if we can knock that
1: out of me today. Yeah. Uh, so and then here's a dumb question. So you have to get like a special like licenses or does the, the city have to give you like a like an exotic pet?
3: There are a lot of regulations, Multnomah County, but I live outside the county. Uh, there are some state regulations. I do have permits for You California.
1: live above the law. Yeah. You are your <laughs> own law. All right. Because, I mean, I had a hedgehog at one point, and I, we couldn't, there was places we couldn't take it when we traveled, because, like, in California, like, they wouldn't let us bring our
3: hedgehog to California or whatever. So. Very strict. That's one reason I moved to Oregon from California because they were much more lenient here. Excellent.
1: Well, you know, this isn't you know, in the Great Northwest. We uh, we're not really caught in the people telling us what to do. Yeah. We like to make our own rules. All right. So, uh what kind of what kind of reptiles I feel like Johnny Carson interviewing Joan Embry, what kind of reptiles are the most popular? Like when you go to talk to kids or whatever, like what do they all want to see?
3: They all want to see the alligator.
1: Of course. She's That's big just kid. Like us. <laughs> exactly what I'm saying. Why? Because I tread water in a sea of arrested development. All right. Uh, excellent. Well, let's uh, let's get to it. Then, what what would you what have, what have
3: you brought to uh, to show us today? All right. Well, I'd like to show you the veiled chameleon first. Okay. Excellent. You know
1: what? And yeah, just uh, do uh, you do whatever you want to do. However you want to do it, we'll adjust the microphone accordingly. This is a veiled comedian. <laughs> oh. chameleon. Chameleon. <laughs> 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 uh, sorry. You uh, think of the Gong Show. Yes. Yes, I am a veiled oh, chameleon. Oh, cool. And so the chameleon. Oh. So, and so this is. Now, is anybody here in the room unnerved by reptiles? No. No.
3: Okay. No. So
1: that is a that looks a lot like um, what I think a gecko looks like, but maybe it's not a gecko. Yeah, like
3: geckos like to moving. stick to walls, you know, very good climbers. He almost looks CGI to me. He doesn't even, you're right, it's weird. He, he does almost doesn't look even real. look real. That's pretty dark in here, but let's see if this well, is, is going to These work. things kill me. No, 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 but he does <gasps> bite. Oh, wait, God. hold on.
1: He's just, put a, he's just put a mealworm on the counter. A live one. A live mealworm. Are you trying to see, should I back up? Am I unnerving him?
3: It's not you, it's the lighting. It's very it's dark not in you, here. it's
1: me. So are his eyes is, even open? Richie's, oh. Richie's trying to get footage of this chameleon attacking something. Does he have a tongue? Will the tongue shoot out?
3: Tongue, there he goes. There oh, he goes. Oh. Oh. And it is
1: days are over. Gone. Oh, my God. Oh, he, oh. he actually missed it. Almost. Second try. Wait. Oh, he keeps
4: missing. Wow,
3: he lost his stickiness today, huh?
1: Uh, are we disturbing
4: him by talking?
3: No, not at all. This is there captive born and raised.
4: Oh, that is righteous. Oh, man. Did you get that? Oh, yeah, he's crunching. <laughs>
5: You're disgusting. Oh. That is cool. It looks so like awesome. a little dinosaur.
1: It does. Well, I mean, it is yeah, on a little dinosaur, I would imagine. That I wish my tongue could do that.
3: You only saw a very small portion. It's three times that long.
1: How long wow. is his tongue?
3: It's approximately 16 inches long.
1: So, Richie, we're going to get this on the website later? Yeah. All right. So, this, that is, now, will he turn colors?
3: They do change color. It all has to do with temperature and also their feelings at the moment. He's actually, these are his happy colors. Boy, he's really cool looking.
1: I mean, and Tim's right. It doesn't even look real. Mm-mm. I mean, it
3: looks. And oh, he's
1: looking at me. Oh, he's giving me the stink eye.
3: He'll um, grow twice this big. I'm
1: going to back up. You know, mealworms are weird looking themselves. Mm-hmm. I used to have a, um, well, a hedgehog, and he would eat mealworms, and they just look like aliens. Mealworms look like weird Look like weird sci-fi worms.
2: And what's with it? Is it just two big
3: toes? Well, when you're looking at it from far away, it does look like two toes. Up close, you can see all five. They're just fused together into a clamp.
1: So we should describe this. So this looks like, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe this. A green fish with legs. That's exactly it. No, that's exactly it. Like a fish frog. It does look like a fish that has grown like a huge sort of um, like a bill, but on its head sort of like a cowl. And then it's got these long, really muscular, muscular legs, and it's just this amazing color of green and brown. Ooh! Oh, he doesn't Ooh. like to be. You were petting him. He got a little hiss. And then he's not? got like a beard thing going. Oh! Wow! Oh. Ah!
8: That's, that's him. The, that's, that's him. him. Wow, <laughs> oh, really a, that, like
4: that a, would make a great line. Now
2: people, his feet, his, his hands—he's standing oh, up on a high hold on—the on people can't
1: see this, but I actually backed up. Oh wow! He, he's,
4: he's perched like a bird. I backed runway.
1: as far away from that thing as I possibly could. You know why? That is just a primal thing. You hear that hiss? Wow, that was like full-on stack
4: So, so my question is: when you got this, Camille, did you get it from some like old comedian? Le- Chameleon lady who you know raised this thing and get tired of it, or it
1: was only driven on Sundays. Yeah, where does one where does one get one of these originally?
3: Uh, I I found that particular one in a pet store. Jesus, and boy, when that thing they, they make good pets as long as they're set up properly. You know they're kind of sticklers for perfect lighting and food.
1: When that thing hissed, did that freak everybody out? Yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah. Uh, I irony. didn't know that was it. I thought it was like you like sneezing or something, you know, and I was, look, ah.
3: I do a lot of rescue work, too, wow. and this is one of these rescues. This was actually found in a man's garage about three miles what from What is here. this we're going to see? This is uh, commonly mistaken for a coral snake.
1: Because a coral snake will kill you dead.
3: Oh, yeah. They're yeah. a member of the cobra family.
1: Yeah, that's not that, though. What is that? This
3: is a Sinaloan milk snake.
1: Oh, that's, oh, you know, okay, can I just tell you this? So my wife is going to you the, the Amazon. you microphone, uh-huh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> My wife
1: is going to the Amazon, and they were talking about coral snakes and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was saying that they are—they look a lot like milk snakes, and there's like a mnemonic device to help you tell the difference.
3: Except that only works in America. Oh. Yeah, in Sorry, South I'm America, gonna... there are coral snakes that look like milk snakes.
1: So huh. this, it looks like it's a snake, obviously, but it's, it's like a deep, rich red, like a red mahogany. Kind of like a copper wire. Exactly. And then it's yeah. got black stripes with yellow in the middle. So almost like if you took a piece of road that is black with a yellow stripe, Uh, Down the middle, like a road, uh, you know the road pattern. It's that alternating with big, uh, like ruby red.
3: Beautiful snake. But when I when I picked this snake up, I thought it was dead. It was stone cold. It was in the wintertime, and it had over 100 cat bites over its entire body. Oh, really? Had an inch and a half of his tail chewed completely off. I used some antibiotics. We've got him all healed up. He's going to live probably a good 14, 15 years now.
1: Good for him. And so, did you? How do you? When you say you rescue these, how do you hear about? A snake that's being mistreated.
3: Oh, uh, well, there's there's other institutions like the Animal Control Humane Society. I also work through a uh, another company, a Critter Getter, mm-hmm. who uh, if he receives a call for a snake, he wants nothing to do with it. Right. So he calls me.
1: And so what do these uh, what do these eat?
3: Just mice. Yeah, in the wild, they also eat lizards and other snakes. Wow. It's a member of the king snake family.
1: Excellent. But it's but it's not poisonous. It's not, not poisonous. poisonous.
3: And that little rhyme you were talking about is. Red touch black, venom lack, red touch yellow, kill a fellow. Yeah,
1: and so, uh, but that's not going to help my wife when she goes to the Amazon. <laughs> no, not Sorry, at all. Sorry, So, that's just, and you see why people think snakes are slimy, even though they're not, because he's got a sheen to him. He's, uh, sparkly, uh-huh. almost. And, uh, Boy, he really is beautiful in this sort of strange kind of way. He won't to touch him moving it? at all. Uh, I don't know. Is he going Now, I know he's not
3: venomous. Will he bite? No, I, I hang this snake around kids' necks all the time. It's very friendly. So if I,
1: I, I'm just a huge pussy. So if I, if I touch him, is he gonna sort of like freak out?
3: Let me do it first. Okay.
1: He's not even moving. Nope. All right. I totally feel like Johnny Carson here, but it's like where the monkey suddenly jumps up on his face. All right. Oh. <laughs> Oh that was Richie by the way who just did that. Oh I swear to
3: God. (laughs) Oh oh. And the snake didn't even move.
1: (laughs) Oh I feel a hate crime coming on. do You want me to touch it
2: first? Would it make you feel better?
1: (sighs) No, I'm fine. I swear to God, if you do that again I'll put out your eyes. Wow. I don't don't think you you even touched it. No, no, I didn't. I didn't really get that far. Hold on.
4: I think he's having a panic attack. Sarah, you have
1: to come touch it first. Okay. I was all fine until some bastard decided to make a loud noise while I went to touch the snake. Oh, you son of a bitch. Oh. All right, where should I right. it? There?
3: Anywhere you want. You can even pick it up and hang it around your oh, neck. Now
1: I feel all shamed.
3: Ooh. You know, I find that men are more afraid of reptiles than women.
1: Yeah, especially when some jerk decides to make a loud noise. <laughs> as you're getting right... Oh, oh
3: is, Yeah, pick it up. Go ahead.
4: You can put it around your neck just, like a uh, Mardi Gras.
3: You just don't want to really squeeze tightly. Okay. It's support. It's like oh, a living... Oh,
8: that tongue. It's like a, oh,
3: it's it, won't, it, won't it won't do anything.
1: It's no. like a living strand of beads. <laughs> All right.
8: Oh, Wow, you're very pretty That's brave.
0: Really cool. Yeah. For a girl. Uh oh, boy. I feel go, like ahead, something go ahead, go
3: ahead, Rick. I promise I won't do anything.
0: All right. Wow.
3: You okay with it?
6: Keep the tongue.
3: There you go. Cool. That is cool. Cool to the touch.
2: <laughs> We're saying you're starting to stay now. <laughs>
3: They're beautiful it animals. It's one of the ones I recommend wow. as pets. Wow!
1: I mean, it's just—it's just so beautiful, uh, and they're really strong too. I mean, they're all muscle, right? They're just oh, like yeah. muscle in the tongue.
3: I've got a snake here that's got some muscle. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, I'm gonna, I don't know if I want to pull that out of the box though. Now.
1: Um. So what are we going to see next? Oh, Rich! I swear to God, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to run you down with my car. That was I. I that was, wow! <laughs> I'm still my heart. He, is he's still been peering. planning that all week. <laughs> you bastard! All right, what are we? Uh, what are we yes. going to look at now? Oh, God, We're that's talking a bigger to box. Um, talking to Richard box. Ritchie, uh, the reptile man. Oh. Whoa. Holy crap! Whoa. What is that? Um. Okay, I'm moving. I'm standing over here. What is that?
3: This is a western diamondback rattlesnake. Holy now, oh. crap!
1: Why? Why do you have that out of the box?
3: She is surgically devenomized.
1: Okay. No offense but I'm going to stay over
3: here. You're safe. You're safe. Wow, she's you may know, like she may be able to pierce too. your ear but that's you know, about it.
1: I'm safe cuz I'm going to stay over here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Rick,
1: no, I'm it. a pussy. I don't care. I don't give it I don't give a, I don't give a damn.
3: Let's just let her loose here. There she goes. Oh.
1: All right. She's looking
2: at me. Oh. All right. Can you?
1: Yeah. I'm really freaking out.
3: Uh-oh. We got wow. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, let's That's cool. <laughs> How's that? Wow.
1: I just fell into the cupboard. <laughs> All right.
3: Okay, I'll put it away. I'll put wow. It away.
2: That's super cool.
3: <laughs>
2: he doesn't, she doesn't look very happy.
3: Wow.
1: That is okay. But... Oh, she got yeah. out of the box. Oh, oh rattler on the loose. Rattler. It's back in the box. Okay. Can I ask her I a like question? how the
2: boxes are getting progressively bigger. <sighs>
1: sure. Okay. Am I the only one who was freaked out by that? Um, I was a bit apprehensive. Okay. I don't
2: like spy- like anything having to do with spiders or anything. Wow, reptiles. Don't get me it's wrong, cool. it's
1: a beautiful animal, and I was freaking me out. And here's here's the thing, I uh, let me ask you this. So there's Tim, who was very calm and cool, even though there was a rattlesnake right next to him, even or not. And then I literally was so far in the corner, I fell into one of our cupboards over here. <laughs> I'm sure Richie's got that all on film. That's great. Yeah. Um, it, so which reaction is more normal when people see that rattlesnake? Tim, calm and cool, or me freaking out like a small child?
3: No, no, everybody freaks out over the rattlesnake. Because it, now it's, it's an audible thing.
1: Well, and it's an evolutionary thing, right? That yeah. he, you hear that
3: sound. It's a matter of safety.
1: You, yeah. I mean, that is nature's way of saying like get away, right?
3: Sure, sure, and it works.
1: Uh, just, damn straight, man. And it's funny how even if you're not told what it is, you hear that uh, you hear that sound, and you just you're like f that like I am getting I am getting away from that thing. Wow. Boy, that was unnerving. I'm ready for the next is one. Is somebody looking yeah. in the studio? They're window? my favorite. I probably Him? have 30 different oh. types of rattles. Was somebody in the hallway looking in? I, I didn't see oh, anyone. I thought I saw somebody peering in. All right. All right.
3: This is your special request. <gasps> wow. Is okay. it the alligator? Yeah. Oh. Alligator. Oh.
1: Uh, oh my oh, oh, god. <gasps> That's an alligator. All right. No, I am going to stand over here I'm where right I can see, I see it. The, uh...
3: This particular alligator, you have nothing to worry about.
8: Wow.
2: I just heard that
1: noise.
3: Let's hear him hiss. Yeah, hiss. hiss. Let's see huh? if you're hiss. You gonna hiss for us, buddy?
2: What's what his name? He
3: just bit the microphone. Oh, that's comforting. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I've never named him, but the uh, animal control officer who picked this up for me. Wow. He told me he was actually fairly friendly, and yeah. he, he occasionally waves to people. Uh huh. I haven't actually seen that he happen. Oh, yet. he's waving right now. He's
1: waving. That's freaking me out. Well, they're trainable. So he waved with his. Did teeth. you do
8: that? He was looking
2: away. <laughs> See
3: my finger underneath?
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, uh, I thought only kids fell for that one. No, I am a. I am
4: a. I am a
2: child. <laughs> you see the grown man hiding
4: <laughs> in the
3: corner yeah, right I now? Literally. Yeah, go ahead. I want to touch He's him.
4: He's touching an alligator,
1: Richie. Oh no, he, Wow. Oh, you're way braver than I am. I am such a big pussy. There's no way. He has a.
3: This alligator was found in Beaverton in an abandoned apartment building.
1: Seriously. Just, wow. Just well, guys... he, he
4: does have the manners of someone from the suburbs, though.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm back here in the corner hiding. This is so a here
4: dinosaur. I... Jeez. It's a dinosaur. It's a very handsome alligator. I, I mean, it,
3: that's the weird thing about it, right? Is it, he's, he's actually very calm. He has I eyes. mean, it's so like a living... see an
1: alligator's back. He's <laughs> just like a living dinosaur. I mean, it really is not too many steps down the evolutionary path or whatever. Now, these are never up for adoption. No, no,
3: no. I think, no, no.
1: I think he's so looking at me.
3: I I probably have close to 100 animals at home in a heated reptile house, most of them rescues.
1: The alligator appears to be making unbroken eye contact with me. I think he's identified me as the weak one in the herd.
3: Food. Well, here, I'm going to do something for you, Rick. I'm actually going to hypnotize the alligator for you, okay? Okay. So you can relax and pet him on the belly without getting bit. What you do is you turn him around, you look him in the eyes here. Oh, God. You just get nice and close, Ah. and you blow on him.
1: Okay, now seriously, it's like your lips are just right in his mouth. <laughs> oh, look, he's going over. That is so weird. There we go. <laughs> the look, look at him relax. That is amazing. What?
3: Now it's not, not really. Down. It's not really hypnotized. What happens is their heart slows down and they just totally relax. Jesus. He'll stay like this the whole time. You can come closer. He blow if you want. On his face? I,
1: I know I could. I'm. I'm not going to, but I know I could.
3: Yeah. Wow. I want to. Well, you probably won't, but maybe we can get Richie here to oh, yeah, no, pet her it on the a,
1: belly. I am, I'm, I'm a coward. Okay. I'm in touch with my own. coward. Yeah, now, does he have to have his nails trimmed every so often?
3: <gasps> yeah, and it's time. It's time. This
1: is wow. Has he ever
5: to
3: anybody? No, he's actually very friendly.
4: He's smoother underneath than on
1: top. so Tim and Sarah are petting the belly of the alligator. Look at these. Wow. Look at that. He needs a pedicure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's. I know I keep saying this, but it's just—it's a dinosaur. That's so freaky.
3: Touch so, the, the throat's really soft. Feel that. Yeah,
1: touch the throat. Yeah, I will. There you go. Yeah, touch the inside of the throat. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? What? Why do you have alligators? Not do are crocodiles not found here? Is it just alligators? What's the? Uh,
3: well, alligators are from the the southeast, of right. course, and so are crocodiles. And uh, people I, import them as pets. You know they're cute. They're maybe 12 inches long.
1: That's the thing. Is by the way, in case anybody thinks that he's holding one of those little like 12 inch things, how long is he tip to tip to tail?
3: He's about three feet.
1: I mean, he's big. I mean, he's heavy not bodied. Like, not like Don Johnson big, but I mean, he's 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 large. I mean, that thing. Uh, if he decided to, let me ask you this: Can he walk down the flight of stairs? If
3: he can go down, but he'd have a hard time going up.
1: Uh huh. So, so you're you're
4: well,
8: I like Paul the his.
1: office.
4: Where
1: was that hit?
3: Wow. Jesus. There you go. Um, oh, we so pushed the he pushed them downstairs, and... but not up. Yeah, they're they're kind of awkward.
1: Nature is saying stay uh, away. Yeah,
3: you know, he's never done this before, huh? Okay. I don't, I don't uh, think he likes you.
1: We're gonna. Uh, <laughs> I think he says this to all the kids. Hi. <laughs> Uh,
3: no, I, okay. Usually, I'm moving. Okay. Like, it might have something to do with this dark studio. And let
1: me ask you this: if he really decided to, like, how much power is in those jaws? If he really decided to give you a good bite?
3: Well, it hasn't been measured in juveniles, but as adults, over two thousand pounds per square inch. Oh, okay. So they can break any bone in your oh, body. All
1: right, I'm over here. Thanks so hey. much. Wow. Hey, chase the
5: salespeople <laughs> with them.
1: Seriously, <laughs>
3: chase them with the sales. Seriously,
1: the lowest lowest biller every month has to hold the alligator. Yeah, let him loose to the sales meeting. <laughs> wow. Here's something. Oh, my God. Oh, oh okay. That's I, I mean, This is, this is, Rick this is Rick's here. I can get with this. It's a huge tortoise. Okay, yeah. this I can get with.
3: An African's birth-eyed tortoise. Okay, this is righteous. Look at that thing. How this cool is that? This was found in a lady. Every
2: single man in the entire building, handy building is All
1: the right dudes now. are in the hallway. So, uh... This will all be posted on the Internet, by the way. We'll get all this video put up there. So this is what this is. Let's describe this now. How big is this tortoise? Like from the his...
3: About 20 pounds, uh, maybe 10 inches tall. I would say... It, it's still a juvenile. Including
1: legs, I would say a little bit smaller than... Uh, it's like a bicycle tire, maybe? Including the spread of his legs? Right. So here's a dumb question. Turtle shells, are they born with a shell? I know I should it's know that. It's but... actually
3: part of their skeletal system.
1: Okay, and yeah. so when they're born, it's there it is. And his legs are amazing. You think of turtles as being really smooth, but he's got like horns all over his legs.
3: I hope he doesn't push any of your buttons here. Oh, that's okay.
1: <laughs> just dump you know <laughs> what? Sarah's dog pressed the mouse button the other day and started a bunch of sound on the air. That mm-hmm. is really beautiful.
3: This is the third largest tortoise in the world. It'll grow about this tall, I'd say, you know, two and a half feet, 300 really? pounds.
1: How, how long will he's they live?
3: Oh, over a hundred years. Really? Oh, yes.
1: And uh, what do they eat?
3: They're vegetarian, herbivores. So I feed them broccoli, carrots, cauliflower. I
1: like them already. Broccoli. He's
3: he's really Richie's putting his hand near his mouth. Will he snap at you if you put? No, him mouth? not at all. Uh-uh. Uh huh. You're thinking of turtles. Turtles bite. I'm
1: thinking of everything. Oh, so what's the difference between a turtle and a tortoise?
3: Turtles, uh, basically, water-dwelling animals. Tortoises, land-dwelling. And look at the feet. Looks like elephant's feet. Totally. Yeah, but I
1: mean they're very, they're very uh, horn. Uh, they've got horn covers on the turtles. Flatter,
3: you know, with webs. So you couldn't swim. swim with those. No, they sink like a rock. Does
1: so,
4: he hiss or make any kind of noise?
3: They'll hiss and grunt on occasion, uh, typically when they're with female tortoises. Wow, it's um, uh, he's really beautiful.
4: Yeah, that is the most
2: amazing looking creature.
1: Boy, nature. I don't understand. Nature is just so effed up. Nature is just weird.
3: Uh, it's worth living.
1: Yeah, I mean it really, really is pretty. Uh, how and so you said these will live for how long?
3: Over a hundred years. Boy, that's amazing. All right. Oh,
1: I get one. Excellent. Yeah,
3: you should touch the touch the shell. He's really
1: cool. Yeah. That is just that is really true. Oh, heavy is he? That creature.
2: yeah, he feels about Muppet Wait, a little
1: bit Yeah. Yeah. They'll have a video of all of this up there, by the way. I'm sorry. So, and I know you said this one more time. What is the difference between turtles and tortoises?
3: Uh, turtles, you know, strictly water dwelling. Right. Tortoises, land dwelling. Okay. I uh, know turtles are carnivores, and there are a few exceptions. Right. Tortoises are herbivores. And
1: so, can so can turtles breathe underwater?
3: They don't breathe. They're just really good at holding their breath. Okay. And it really depends on the temperature of the water. The colder the water, less oxygen they use, the longer they can hold their breath.
1: And so, this tortoise is. Um,
3: so this tortoise is like would live where like in the desert or something? Yes, that's from Africa. Oh. It's really hot. That's amazing.
1: What what kind of tortoise is this?
3: African eye tortoise. An African eye tortoise. Yep. Should I put him down? Yep. Boy, he's great. I've got plenty more. I'm a big fan
1: of that guy. He's my favorite so far on KCMD Portland because he doesn't look I like he it like what to... a giant wimp you were. <laughs> oh dude, no, seriously. I mean you know, like the snake, like the coral or the, the corn snake or whatever, that's okay. Like as soon as I heard that rattling thing, uh, here's oh, another okay thing. Oh, what is this? Don't get close to it. Here's, don't, oh, get close. don't get close to it? Done and done. What is this?
3: That is an African puff adder. Grows three times this big. I mean, right now it's three feet long. And they got very long fangs, long enough to actually oh, bite your hand great. and come out the other side oh, of your hands. That's wonderful. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, All right, no, yeah. She
3: is not friendly in any way.
1: Okay, yeah. Richie, you should she's going stand for the cough back. Button. Richie, stand back. Oh. Do me a favor. I mean, please. I'm
3: surprised she hasn't struck at me yet. I've raised her from a baby. I bought her. She was the size of your thumb. But she's very temperamental, that's apparently.
1: That's wonderful. All right. Is it defanged or something? Still
3: has the fangs, but the glands, oh, the venom glands are removed.
1: That's great. That's
3: All wonderful. right, I'm moving. Right. All right, yeah.
1: No, we're going to... Uh... I'm moving down the hallway. Yeah.
3: You going to give us a little hiss, girl? Wow.
0: oh oh, ah, oh, wow that is wrong okay
1: yeah Um. okay wow okay yeah uh, we're gonna let him put that wow so what is (laughs) so
2: i could still hear it in the box
1: (laughs) it does not like me so how do you uh so you do you give them surgery to remove their venom or something
3: yeah, it is an actual surgery. The surgery takes about an hour. The animals anesthetized, and the venom glands are removed from inside the mouth.
1: Wow! And so you, you say his fangs, which inch I'm, and a half. I'm not asking to see them. So they. Uh, and
3: here's a dumb question: Are they really skinny, or are they like teeth? Uh no, they're they're fairly thick. You know, I'd say maybe a sixteenth of an inch thick, inch and a half long, and they're curved, like, like a
1: th- like an eight penny nail or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And you say and so they're um. So they're sharp, obviously, that's a dumb question. But, I mean, are they strong? Are those jaws strong?
3: Neel sharp. Jaws are very strong. And when they bite, they twist their head and, and just give it all they got. And so is that a thing where once they bite you, they just uh, hold on for the longest time? It really depends on the species of snake. That snake does not hold on. Its venom is very, oh, how do you say it, watery, so they can inject a lot of it very quickly. That's
1: good. That's, that's and it's
3: good. the cobras that hold on. And I did bring one of those for oh, you. Oh,
1: yeah. Ugh.
3: But that's later. I want to show you something else.
1: Indiana Jones time. <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes?
3: I love snakes.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So, oh, that makes this, one of it. This is not a snake. Okay. Yay. Now, see, but you say that, and then there's like a huge 10-foot spider that comes, like a she lob. It's
2: not a spider, is it?
1: Oh, it's a Gila monster. Oh. It? All right, that's relative.
3: What is Like a that? komodo dragon or something? Yeah, close. What is that? It's a relative. It's a black throat monitor lizard, also from Africa. That
2: tongue is the coolest looking thing. Will that, will that kill
3: you? No, not at all. All right. He's very, very friendly. Oh, yeah. Wow. You give him like a popsicle, <laughs> and he'd be uh, very happy. This whole
1: thing is so stressful.
3: He does have sharp claws, though.
1: That tongue is huge. So this is a monitor lizard from where Africa? In Africa. That tongue is insane. He'll go And he has more like human looking hands, almost. Oh, does he grab stuff with that tongue?
3: No, not at all, just used for smell.
1: And so, the, uh, so that's, it's like a long forked tongue, and so he what does he eat, like a, a, a rodent or something? No,
3: their favorite is eggs. You know, they can smell crocodile eggs buried two, three feet underground. Wow. Dig them up and eat them. But they'll also eat rodents and birds, whatever they can catch.
1: Uh, and really, in season, again, It's like in a weird way, it's very beautiful. I mean, it really is a, It's a beautiful creature. It's just... Well, it's a, something you
4: don't see every day. But I mean, no. it's a
1: dragon, right? I mean, that's the freaky thing about it. It's a dragon.
3: Found this guy in Craigslist.
1: Is that true? Yeah. Somebody selling it or somebody getting get it? He was
3: selling it. He just didn't have the time for it anymore, and he kept it in a chicken cage. Now,
1: is it legal? If you're in Portland, where do you, where would a guy even get one of those? Like for you to have found it, where would, where did that guy get it?
3: In Portland, anything that grows over eight feet, reptile-wise, is illegal. So mm-hmm. this would actually be legal. It only grows about five feet. Do you see fully grown? No, it'll grow about twice as big. Wow.
1: Oh, and when they say eight feet, is that from head to the tip of the tail? Right. Yeah. Right. How how heavy is he gonna is he gonna be? When oh, he'll top out at fifty pounds. Look at those claws, man. man. So this is. Um,
2: he is just wanting to get down. So
1: this looks like if anybody has seen uh, like something like an anole or whatever those things are called. It, imagine a huge one of those that weighs you know however much and is gonna end up being like seven feet long. Uh-huh. I mean it's massive. I mean it really is it is really amazingly beautiful. And so this. And so do you have to you have to obviously take good care of these because they like if you just let it loose in the wild out here it wouldn't last. No, long. they're tropical. Yeah. they wouldn't
3: last long at all. And and you look it's... at his belly; you can tell he eats well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, come up here, Rick, and put your hand under here. Let him smell your hand. Wow.
1: Now, so he
4: he will not bite.
3: He will not bite. All
4: right. Does does he have teeth? He must have teeth. Oh yeah, he's got
1: teeth. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's that's about as much as I'm gonna do. I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big uh, I'm a big
3: child. Hello there. Hello there. There you go. Does he hiss? Uh, th- they have the capability, but he's very friendly. Well, is that, listen, to, uh, let's listen to the sound of Tim.
1: Getting licked. Hello there.
3: This is the sound of Tim's hand up his back. What you really need to watch out for with this lizard is their claws and their tail. They'll yeah. whip you with the tail, and they hit hard enough they can knock you yeah, out. Do they use the
1: tail as a weapon in the wild? Oh, yeah. Do you make any noise?
3: Uh, hisses occasionally, that's it.
1: Are these his ears?
3: Those are the ears.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought they had their, oh, I'm thinking of grasshoppers. That's not the grasshopper. No, that's not. And uh, so that, how long is that tongue? Oh, it's a good uh, seven, eight
3: inches. That tongue looks like a piece of bubble gum or something. It hey, peel that shed skin off around his neck there. See it, see it okay. sticking out? All right, I'm
1: going to pet the back of the uh, yeah, that, monitor. lizard. Yeah,
3: peel that off. Wow. It's just, it off? Yeah, it's just shed skin.
1: He's it's okay, it's okay. okay so, it. so
3: he's, uh... so do they all, do all reptiles shed their skin? They do. Lizards shed off in small pieces. Snakes shed off in one large piece. Right.
4: Oh. I guess he didn't mind you doing that.
3: So Sarah
1: actually just took a piece of uh, skin <laughs> off the back of this monitor lizard.
3: That is so beautiful. Hold yeah. man give me some skin.
8: <laughs> yes.
1: And so they they covered Ow. this way for? Oh, what was that? Scratching. Did he just now? Was that an accidental clawing, or is he After had him. enough of happy fun time? Look at my arm. Oh man, that's from him. Yeah. So did you, now of of all the animals you've got, what what sort of attacks you the most, if anything?
3: Uh, I've had over 50 king cobras, and they seem to be the most uh, defensive, even aggressive. Yeah. Right. I've had a few mambas as well, and they'll chase you.
1: Uh, a, a, a mamba, that's like a big black African snake,
3: uh, Fastest snake, snake right? in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a huge... Isn't, that the, isn't the mamba the thing that's like
1: long and black and shiny? Actually,
3: they're more of a gray. The reason they're called a black mamba is because the inside of their mouth is black.
1: Right. And is that the thing they're from... And are they from Africa or South America? Africa. Yeah. Just these... I mean, I think i remember ever a thing... I was, it wasn't it was in like some bad uh, Indiana Jones type knockoff just this huge big black wow that reminds me
2: first thing okay. in mind Britney Spears
1: this is the snake that Britney Spears had around her in the I'm a slave for you video. again you'll be able to see all of this at rickemerson.com later on the day so this Jesus. is Sarah let's describe what the snake it's looks
2: enormous. like it's enormous
1: this is it's
2: giant and yellow and long it is nine giant. Feet? 9 feet
1: and it's either it's either white with yellow yellow or yellow with white it looks like if you were to crack an egg in a bowl and kind of mix up the egg and the white, but not all together, that's what it looks like. It's like egg and yolk, egg whites and yolks, sort of mixed together. That's the coloring. And it's, and it's how long? Nine feet. How heavy is that?
3: 30 pounds. It's a, it's a Burmese python, and this is a very small one. You could even call this a juvenile because they top out at 18 feet, oh, good 250, 300 Is this pounds. one of those
1: things that crushes you?
3: Oh, yeah. They, st- they squeeze.
1: Is, now, why is he not doing that now?
3: Well, she's captive, born, and raised, and she's been raised by... It's not just that she's full. No, no, no. (laughs) It's one of those
2: things where she could, like, snap? You just don't smell
3: like a rat or a rabbit. Yeah.
2: Will she ever, like, have the ability, like, want to squeeze? She's in a bad mood. Well,
3: if you make a mistake of reaching inside of her cage and she's hungry, she thinks you're throwing food in the cage. Ah, and you're throwing your arm in the cage. It'll bite you and squeeze you and... You'll die, and then it'll let go and smell you and find out you're not a rat.
1: Now, if you reach your hand into this cage with this with this snake, and it, and it thinks, oh, hey, food time, and it grabs your arm. Uh huh. If it gets a hold of your arm, is that it for you?
3: It really depends on how strong you are and whether or not you become frightened. So, uh, you have to know what to do. What
1: do you do? Just in case, like, you know. I well, should first have... you
3: stay calm, of course. Uh, number two, you always have a bottle of alcohol or ammonia nearby uh-huh. to dump in their mouth. That way, they they want to let go rather than try to eat Is you. it
1: because it's so bad tasting. It's so right? Rewarding. Right. Yeah.
3: And you can't just pull your hand out of their mouth because their teeth—four rows of teeth in the top jaw, two in the bottom—they all point backwards. So if you're bit, you're stuck oh, inside yeah. the mouth.
1: Oh, it's like a uh, it's like a uh,
3: um a thing. Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't even know what it's like. Um. And so yeah, when you reach in there, your hand goes in easily, but won't come back out.
3: Uh, you don't want to know what it's like. I've been bit before. Really? You actually have to shove your hand farther down the throat.
1: Because to get, it's like a fish hook. Yeah, exactly. It's, exact, it's like a fish hook where if you actually get a fish hook, anybody's ever gotten a fish hook through their hand, you have to cut it to pull it back out. You can't pull it back out you have to clip off the end. And so... What did you do when you got your hand stuck? Did you, did you use the alcohol, or did you just...
3: I didn't have alcohol handy at the time. Just what walked I Walked to the was...
1: hospital with a snake on your hand?
3: No, no. I All just right. shoved it farther down the throat to unhook the teeth, and there was uh, some pamphlets nearby, so I grabbed those with my other loose hand and shoved them between her teeth right. and my skin. Pamphlets, you know, some paper pamphlets? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Just shoved them between her teeth and my skin to get the... Or disconnected and I was able to pull my hand out eventually but
1: now Richie is sort of getting really close and then kind of pulling away is sudden movements like do they interpret sudden movements as?
3: not this particular snake it, it would really depend on the species if this were a king cobra his sudden movements would not be good Ugh. yeah
1: all right that is uh Richie's got a close-up of the face here we'll put all this up on rickemerson.com later uh or up at the 970.
3: AM rather um
2: the eyes are unnerving you the see the holes are...
3: around the yeah. snout
1: yeah, is that what's that is that the, that's obviously the
3: nose? No, those are heat sensing pits. They can sense a temperature change to within a tenth of a degree.
1: And so uh, is now why is that to, to find prey? Oh, looking at
3: right. And it's another reason people get bit because what they do is they'll buy frozen rats and defrost right. them and dangle the rat in front of their face. They smell the rat but they feel the heat of the hand. Oh. So they go for your hand and of that. This is
1: exactly at. like an airwolf when they're being followed by the Libyans and they eject heat uh, flares to get the heat-seeking missiles exactly. to go away from airwolf into the flares. Uh-huh. It's exactly like that. Um, and so this is like having lots and lots of nostrils on the front.
3: And Normally this snake is brown and black, but this particular one's an albino. It,
1: it really, and I know I've been saying this but all these, it really is beautiful. She kind of looks like scrambled eggs. That's it, exactly it. Yeah, it looks like eggs if you made them into a giant snake. So is this snake full-grown?
3: Well, it's considered a a young adult. Okay. Yeah, two years ago it was. It's in that troublesome long. phase, yeah. rebelling
1: against the parents <laughs> and so forth. Next, it'll be joining a snake gang and hanging out with Matt Dillon. <laughs> All right. That is. Uh, what do you
3: think? You want to hang it around your neck? Oh God, no. Okay. And so, the,
1: is oh. this, do you know by the chance? It, is I would this be the, the snake
2: freak accident?
3: <laughs> so there be the, a
1: local radio personality. Yeah. And we wouldn't mm. even get coverage. They just call us a local station. Do you know by chance the snake that we're referring to in the Britney Spears? The same one. If this is the no, snake. Not the. But snake. I mean, it's, it's the same, same kind. Of, and what is the kind?
3: Burmese python. A
1: Burmese python. So that's yeah. what. Uh, Uh, that's what Britney Spears had. So is that common that she would be able to go out on stage with a snake around her neck and there's hot lights and music and dancing and the snake didn't do anything? Or do they have to sedate
3: it? No, no, no. It's common. They're very calm animals. Of all the pythons, this is probably one of the best of pets. Although I don't recommend it, they get loose in your house, they do eat your other pets.
1: Uh, That's no good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, probably it'll vanish, like go down the toilet or something? Possibly. That's happened. Yeah, and then it'll come up. Alice Cooper tells this great story of having his a uh, snake vanished one night in his hotel room and no lie it came up in the bathroom of, Ch- of country singer charlie pride <laughs> who was in the same home, and charlie pride went in to use the toilet in the middle of the night and there's like a like a huge snake coming out of the toilet and charlie Aah! you know just like ran down the hall excellent all right fantastic uh sarah where when are we going to have to break
2: here? um probably in like like 10 minutes okay
1: all right can mm-hmm. I show you Yeah, one what more? else do we have here? One more? One more. Please tell me, th- is this the Cobra? Yes, it is. Okay. Oh, uh, seriously, no, you call me whatever you want. I'm standing on top of the refrigerator. It's okay.
3: Okay, okay Bridget, Bridget,
1: let's everybody back up, please. Everybody. Rick, I looked at up.
3: your webpage, and yes. on there it says, you're the talent. Yeah. We don't want to lose the talent, so, so I want to hand you the, we're this. We're all hiding behind okay? Sarah X. What is this you're handing Thanks. me? This is a snake stick, a grabber. Snake stick. In case it gets loose, you handle it, all right?
1: Sure. Are you screwing with me? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> i hate
4: snakes so here we are all hiding behind the control board now, this seriously. is the worst thing
2: too because rick doesn't have his microphone so that means he's screaming oh, in my ear oh
3: wow
1: <gasps> okay whoa well, nah, yeah seriously uh, all right
3: that is a keen cobra
1: yeah looking at you on your and desk staring right at re- oh my oh. gosh
3: staring at you how does that look re- it knows i'm the leader hello Okay. Yeah. Hands. No, no yeah. sudden moves. Can
1: you do me a favor and keep your hand on that.
3: I will. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Rick,
1: I think he knows what he's doing. He's
2: a professional. Seriously?
1: No, I'm not. I'm not saying for. He just wants to
3: play. Look at that! Isn't he's
4: that
2: a beautiful animal? Kind of
3: looking. He is. Very I mean, dangerous. No, no.
1: Oh. 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 You go first. Holy smokes, my friends.
3: She's not as bad as she looks.
1: Okay. For is those who don't teeth? know.
3: So? She has fangs. Cobras' fangs are very small, about a sixteenth of an inch long. Okay, let me, let me no, for, no.
1: Hold on for a second. For people who don't know, let me describe this. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, this is the snake that 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 uh, strikes at Indy when he falls oh, into hole. the when he falls into the well of the souls. Hello, Mr. Are you are you really doing this?
4: Yes. Sir.
1: Oh, dude. Oh, man. So he's getting the snake to strike at him repeatedly. Oh, this is freaking me well, out. Well,
2: it's almost falling off the counter every time. Oh, my God.
1: I'm having, like, ricky-ticky-tabby flashbacks. Oh.
3: She's about 7 feet, grows 19 feet. This is the longest venomous snake in the world.
1: That's great. We can both jump on the counter if we have to. Okay. I'm like a 1950s housewife up on this refrigerator like there's a mouse in the room.
3: <laughs> I can't even see you.
1: So this is no... Lo- oh, no, Uh-oh. no, please. Uh-oh. Yeah,
4: please. Yeah, no, no. <laughs>
3: There we
1: go. Hi. Hi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think we're
3: done with the king. Let's Let's bring back the alligator. Wow. That's
1: awesome. This is exactly the snake, though, that when Indy falls into the well of the souls, it pops up. It's that cobra with the hood.
2: Get off the refrigerator, Rick.
1: (laughs) Oh, hello. All right. Okay. Well, that was really but interesting. (sighs) Okay. Who was unnerved by that? Me. All right. Don't think less of me because I stood on the fridge.
2: Don't no, think less of you because we had a really cool experience and you were shrieking like a girl for the past half hour. Oh, that's fine. Our
4: counter is higher than yours, though. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get the next stick back yet. Well, like, I guess
1: I can move back. This is exhausting. Boy, that was awesome. Well, you know, being a pussy is hard work. Oh, I'm worn out. All right, excellent. Uh, so do you, if people want to uh, see these, if you do presentations, you do whatever, how, how should people get in touch with you?
3: Uh, the best way is just to find out all my additional information at uh, OregonReptileMan.com.
1: OregonReptileMan.com, all one word? Well, that's
3: it. All right, I'll make sure we get Yeah, one in. of my
2: friends who's a teacher actually just wrote and uh, wants to see if you
1: want to come to her class. Reptiles.
3: Oh, great. Yeah. I do, do a lot of schools. Yeah. I do close to 500 shows a year. Wow, that cobra was mind-blowing.
4: I mean, seriously. Is there any other place besides making your personal appearances that any of these can be seen?
3: Uh, On my webpage, there's public performances, and people can come see me at any one of the libraries in the area. Oh, great. And what's your website again? OregonReptileMan.com. Awesome. All right. And, uh, all right. I've got about 50 libraries booked this summer.
1: Yeah, that is uh, really unbelievable. So So
2: when you book them, does everyone have the opportunity to touch whatever animal they want?
3: I ask for a lot of volunteers. It really depends on the size of the crowd. Sometimes I have six, 800 people show up, and that makes it tough.
1: Now, so here's a dumb question. When you have that King Cobra out just now, and it's got the, the hood, and again, it's just like, the, it's like anybody who's seen the rikki tiki tabby movie. It's just like that. So, uh, so you were sort of waving your hand in front of it, and then it was sort of – it was striking but almost like in slow motion. It wasn't doing like a big strike like you see in the movies where it's all lightning fast.
3: Because it wasn't an aggressive strike. It was a defensive strike. She was just trying to scare me. She didn't really want to bite. Yes.
1: It's funny how she aimed to scare you, and yet I'm on the fridge over there. So it was (laughs) misdirected fear. Uh, And so, I mean, here's a dumb question. So, I mean, you're the snakes in a weird room, and there's lights, and there's a bunch of people, and there's an idiot standing on the fridge screaming. And you're sort of picking the snake up and sort of putting your hand in its face, and yet it's only doing the defensive. Like, if that doesn't get it to do the aggressive strike, like, what will? What, what could
3: you have done? Uh, I really don't think you could get her to that point. Uh, snakes are just like people. They all have different temperaments. And
1: does she know? Does she know, like, he's not going to do anything?
3: Yeah, I think she does. They're, exactly. they're, they're very intelligent. They actually can recognize people. That's really? I,
1: I wonder if any of these talk to each other. Are they? No, they're all
4: going to talk about this.
3: Most of them will eat each other.
1: Oh, that's
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> not so much communication. They're all busy no. gossiping
1: about the big-nosed freak who is <laughs> hiding in a corner of they the They like, take at, each other out to dinner. That's about I'm it. I'm looking
2: at your website right now, and there's a group of children around, like, you know, two feet away from the cobra that's okay. not being held by anybody.
1: Of all of these creatures, let's say this, you put all these creatures uh,
3: down on a pit gladiator style, who comes out at the end? Wow. If they were still venomous? Yeah, I mean in their natural tree, state, like, like a king cobra and an anaconda. You, you put all of these creatures down in a pit.
1: Yeah. One, it's like ultimate fighting, but with reptiles. All the creatures go into the pit. One walks out. Who is it?
3: Well, here it is. The, the The venomous snake, of course, would win, but it would get killed also. So it'd bite all the other animals. They would all die, and it would it would die from being either squeezed or squished. Okay. So really, there are no winners. All right.
1: So it is. Uh, so it, instead of being like ultimate fighting. It is, in fact, like that gladiator film with Pam Greer. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Okay, I've exhausted myself. That I have cultural awesome. references. That was thank so you cool, so too. Let me Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, Richard Ritchie, uh, it is OregonReptileMan.com. OregonReptileMan.com. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you coming. for the invite. fantastic. Thank you for it tolerating was. my foolishness. All right, back after this uh, with uh, more and so forth. It is the Rick Hammer. Alright then. Let's all get control of our faculty, shall we? Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 2970 503 733 2970. Good God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Just gonna let this uh just gonna let this play for a second. Okay. Uh, is this my visa right here?
2: Yeah, uh, I think so. I didn't know if it was yours or not. I thought maybe he brought one too. I, was like, Ooh.
1: Mm, I think it's mine. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. That footage will be up at nine seventy a m later on the day. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. That was really it, here's the, the thing about that whole segment with all those reptiles, is it, it, it was it was so it was so cool and so great. But it's like a roller coaster ride in that you recognize how great it is, but at the same time you're you just there's that part of it's like I just want this to be over, while at the same time you're recognizing how exciting and thrilling it is because that whole and it's like and he was sort of ramping it up with the exception of the tortoise that was sort of right in the middle. It's like he started so small with like with the chameleon or whatever that's you know like six inches long and look it likes to eat a worm, and then by the end there's like a full-on Indiana Jones king cobra, and then at one point started to crawl toward you over mm-hmm. the control board and i mean uh, so that was that was a little scary yes yeah, yes it was and the as,
2: fa- say, as soon as i saw that thing start to crawl over the board and it was within a couple of feet of me yeah obviously heading toward me it wasn't yes. like wandering around it was looking at me no
1: it wasn't it wasn't yeah it wasn't picking directions randomly i think it was heading at you uh and the other thing is the reason it is so freaky too is because what and so much of that like you just don't know if it's you don't know if it's fiction or if it's fact, but that thing that is drilled into you from childhood, especially growing up in the Northwest, about rattlesnakes, the thing they would always say is, you know, look, even if it's three feet away, you know, it'll, you could always, you always hear how, like, it can strike over great distances immediately. Mm-hmm. So just because you're, you know, whatever, because if there's, like, a, a spider three feet away, well, whatever, it starts to run at you, you walk away. Uh, there's a snake three feet away, uh, you know, it goes right to the leg, and then you're dead. So. All right. Yeah. Where's Tim. Uh, I think Tim is cutting his news uh, because, you know, because we had like 35 minutes of be, being in a studio terrified of cobras and whatever. Uh, all right, let's, uh, before we do anything else, Richie, can you can you join us here in the studio? That would be fantastic. Should we okay. something else? Find your center. Do we have any soothing music? Anything that's sort of, do we have anything that's kind of calming? Yeah. What kind of you know oh what, what are hmm. my choices Excellent. for bread? Wonderful. And she said oh. White, wheat right. yeah. White Wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. That's this microphone White wheat,
2: sourdough, English muffin bagel.
1: White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mammoth-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? Light wheat sourdough, sourdough English, English bagel. What are my <laughs> choices for bread? Light wheat <laughs> sourdough English bagel. Jesus, excellent. Hello, Richie. How are you today? I find that so soothing. Uh, things are moving really fast today. <laughs> <laughs> Which is strange. Maybe it's because you yourself are moving really slowly.
5: <laughs> I got a headache now.
1: Yeah. So when is the When did you quit? Never. When you quit drinking, because clearly that's never going to happen. When is the last time you had alcohol?
5: Uh right before we started coming home about eight o'clock last night. Eight o'clock oh. last night. Yeah.
1: Okay. So it's been. 12, so it's been about 16 hours since you, but I mean, and when you say you last had alcohol last night around 8 o'clock, how much? I lost. (laughs) Can I just tell you, I wish that we were filming you, because you and some of those reptiles have the same dead-eyed, glassy stare today. Seriously, you just, I'm talking to to Richie, and it's like, as I'm looking at you, I could just see, like, your face clouding over and your brain just checking out.
2: And What happened to you this weekend?
5: Oh, lots of stuff. Went to the duck pond. We call it the duck pond. It's a trailer we go to, and we all do duck farts. Like I don't know what that means. You know what a duck fart is? No.
2: Stay on the mic, Richie. Uh,
5: duck fart. It's a with a kahlua and Bailey's and Crown okay. Royal. So you
2: go to a trip. Okay. So you left on Friday.
5: Right. You didn't
2: go to sleep until 8 a.m. What were you doing all night?
5: Uh, drinking, <laughs> drinking and uh, well, it started out riding. Rioting. Riding. Oh, riding. 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 Okay. Uh, with birdie dog. <laughs> And my other is friend. Is
1: Prairie Dog a friend of yours? Yeah,
5: they I all have did again. Chug
1: go? Nope. Chug. <laughs> I just Chug love the fact is... that there's a guy named Chug. <laughs> um, all right, and so, and so I mean, but what do you, okay, so you're kind of riding around, you're on your, like, quadrant like an ATV or whatever, uh-huh. right? and you're drunk. And so then, but i mean, No, no, no,
5: we're not doing
0: those at the same time. Well,
1: way. no, of course not. But I'm saying, also. you
0: be wrong, Richie.
1: <laughs> also, there was a point of the night when you were drinking. Mm-hmm. So w- what else does one do to kill, like, a whole weekend? And, like, what, el- what else What are you doing while you're there?
5: Uh. They're throwing gas cans in the fireplace, which I don't think is legal. I don't know. Well, <laughs> but, it's good that you're talking about here. But the... we're at the fire department, so why you've well, got You've
1: got to, you've got to summer, You got to help us here. Why? Oh, why okay. are you throwing gas cans into the fire?
5: Because it makes a big mushroom cloud, which I got video of. Two mushroom clouds, huge, like twenty foot mushroom clouds. So you
2: guys, so you went there. You threw gas cans and thing. You stayed up drinking all night, and you also filmed movies.
1: Yeah. Let's back up. What kind of are these metal uh, gas cans or plastic?
5: Uh, it's more like glass. Actually, we, of every time we drink down like a half gallon of Jaeger or something, uh huh. Then when it's empty, you fill it up with gas. Gas,
1: and then you throw it into the fire, it and it explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any footage of
5: that? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> is that going to be posted somewhere? Oh yeah. Where is it posted now?
5: Uh, well, right now it's getting re- well. Everybody that's in it, I gotta make sure they're okay with some of the stuff that's. You
1: gotta out. get their uh, get their consent. There's some
5: revealing stuff out there. Okay.
1: Like what? Like you
2: running around in a dress with fake breasts?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. Good call, Sarah. <laughs> way to point us towards the comedy. So Just trying to move it along. Why? Okay. There's A where you are standing dressed in your street clothes, perhaps as you are now. Uh huh. There is Z where you are dressed as a woman, mm-hmm. running around on video dressed as a woman with huge fake breasts chasing a fireman. Yeah. What is B? to to why there what how how did that how did that come to be
5: uh, a lot of drinking
1: yeah i know but i mean at what point did somebody say you know Richard, you ought to dress up as a woman or did you volunteer
5: i bring my dress but i need a new one
1: what is the dress you have now the one i went bowling in but i mean oh okay it's so the latest
5: dress in my uh, wardrobe it is the latest dress in your wardrobe mm-hmm. what did the last dress look like before that yeah uh it's like a purple shiny she- what do they call it sheen sheer a sheer sheer yeah sheer you can see my rules. Richie,
2: why do you buy dresses and wear them? Are you making a – is this something you like to do? Do you enjoy wearing dresses?
5: Uh, well, let's say we were, I was hanging out getting drunk, you know, and girls are like, hi, how are you doing? Okay, bye. Hi, how are you doing? Okay, bye. As soon as I came out in that dress, so to speak, I'm getting groped. I'm getting jumped on. I'm getting lap dances.
1: It works. Do you like Angora? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, do, you do you wear, wear like women's
2: – Do you feel of it on your skin?
1: Do you, do you wear women's clothes because it makes you feel closer to them? Uh, yeah, especially when they
5: jump on top of you. Okay. Excellent. All
2: right. So basically, what you're saying is you're looking to be a lesbian
5: in a man's body. Okay. Uh,
1: how many dresses do you currently own? Probably like four or five. May I ask what dress size you? I'm not sure we can see. I that. don't think. Oh, really? I think that might be misconstrued. I know what you meant. She's That's a product. Like, I know. I understand. But you see what I mean? I, okay. How that might be misconstrued. There okay. might be people who. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, it's okay. No, no, no. Don't. I look like a big lady. <laughs> 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 sort, of like, uh, sort of like an Asian Mrs. Roper Yeah uh, So, alright, so you currently own how many dresses?
5: Four or five Four or five But they're all, you know, you use them and then they go away So do your other... You gotta, I gotta go you find them? them You use
1: them? How many? You do only wear a dress once? No,
5: a few times
1: uh, So where do you typically buy your dresses?
5: Uh, well, before I used to have somebody else get them You know Shop with the ladies, but you,
1: so. But I mean, do you buy your own dresses now? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, w- but where do you buy your dresses? Oh, last one, I I went to Goodwill. All right. So, uh, have you ever thought about? Do you buy any of your dresses um, new or slightly new? Uh, that's coming up.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> when? W- w- so you're going to move up to buying new dresses?
5: Well, it depends on the occasion. If you're going to be in public, have you heard or... of the Dress
1: Barn? No. It's not the it's not the same old Mall two oh five, Richie. Oh. Okay. Um, do you
5: wear a wig when you do this? Uh no, generally. No, g- really? I got some, but No,
2: know. he wears head wraps.
5: But you have a wig, you just don't wear them. Right. Or I borrow. You borrow, yes. Yeah. So, do,
1: what kind of shoes do you wear?
5: Uh well I prefer shiny shoes, but Yeah. I don't we all Richie? But I mean are they are they pumps? No. <laughs> yeah. Are they pumps? No, because I'm I'm pretty usually when I do it I get kinda drunk and that'll break my ankle. You follow, have you
1: tried walking in heels?
5: Yeah, it's uh, difficult. Yeah, but it makes mm. me taller, which is more mm. sex appealing. Yes.
1: <laughs> for, well, for no, who? that's true. <laughs> well, you know, for who? For firefighters?
5: For tall firemen? Yes.
2: No, so, are is, with you wearing these dresses? Is this you trying to arouse the firemen? Uh,
1: they did, but no. That was an <laughs> unintended side effect. Yeah. Which so some of the firemen were they were uh, aroused by you as a woman? Excited as um Rochelle. <laughs> That's Rochelle. Rochelle. Uh When you're dressed up, so when you have the full ensemble going on, and the, the shoes and the uh, the dress and the, sometimes the wig, now, uh, now do you now do you affect the mannerisms of a woman, too? Uh, you don't still
11: just talk in, like, your big, deep, richie
1: Do you
2: have a Rochelle voice?
1: Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. So why don't you tell
2: us something that, like, say something in the, in like, Rochelle that you would have said to the firemen. What is
1: Rochelle's pretty? Yeah, oh. What would she say? Give us What does she say
2: them when she's approaching firemen? I saw uh, you chasing them. Oh,
1: I'm
5: flaming! Pull out your hose.
1: <laughs> fire hose, that is. <laughs> no, I understand. I'm on yes. fire. <laughs> You are the greatest. Much better when I'm You bright. are the greatest person who's ever lived. So, <laughs> you really are, Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Richie. Well, we'll uh, we're running a little behind. We'll talk to you more later, or perhaps tomorrow. Just when you Thank think you can't wrong. do better than the Cobra. <laughs> All right. Water.
4: All right. Wow. <laughs> sure is a big tent around. And now, now go. from the Ministry
5: of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
4: A Miami man was arrested for allegedly injecting women with silicone to enhance their buttocks at so-called pumping parties.
1: <laughs> oh! Was one of them an Asian in a house? say <laughs> <test? laughs>
4: here, <laughs> Anthony Solomon is charged with illegally practicing medicine, the third degree felony. He could get five years in jail and a five thousand dollar fine. He gave the ladies shots of silicone at a number of Dade County area pumping parties. These are gatherings at houses or hotel rooms that women attend to get injections to enlarge their buttocks.
1: Now, where on earth... Does it really seem like women in Oregon have a hard time getting a big ass? No, no, this
4: is Florida. I know, <laughs> oh, this is Florida. Oh, I'm sorry, this is where? Florida. America! Damn it! Oh, oh I hate didn't... you all. He wouldn't do much of a business in this area, Ah, uh,
1: All right. So this isn't okay, I was going to say, because here that, that ship seems to already safe. Yes. All that, right.
4: That would be unnecessary here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It would be like selling ice cubes to Eskimo.
1: <laughs> yes, it would.
4: Uh, let's see. A British man had his father's ashes turned into a teapot. John Lorden says it's his way of remembering his dad, who loved putting the world uh love uh apparently yes. this is written in British love <laughs> putting the world to rights over a pot of tea. I think he'd understand the only thing more appropriate was if it was a pint glass. His dad had to take care of him to go after short illness. I'd come home from work and find Dad in the garden of the cottage. We'd go up and knock on his door and invite him over for a cup of tea. Those cups of tea were very special, and I really missed them. So for a decade, his dad's ashes sat on the bunks until he decided to turn him into a tea kettle. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for now. I don't think I can beat what's going on
0: here today. I,
1: yeah.
4: Which is certainly entertaining
1: for himself. I suppose. Oh, before you go, Tim, yeah. so here's something. Uh, so Susan caught me in the hallway and said, hey, best audience ever. And I said, Oh, and I thought she was talking about the reptile guy. And I said, oh, that's true. And she said, no, 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 look at this. And so I have here, I will pass this around the room, mm-hmm. our friend Janice. Who we know and love. Uh, she did. Well, there's just no way to, there's no way to hear it. Sam, look at that and then hand that to Sarah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. She has had checks made, like her checkbook mm-hmm. that you write, that you pay for things it with. Checks made with us on them. What? Mm-hmm. Sarah, would you uh, please, to, uh, please to look? A look. It's not something. So,
8: wow.
1: So she's taken that, that Rat Pack photo uh, that Jason Crump took uh from Vanished twin that jason and aaron from Vanished twin took of us outside the hollywood theater the one that you saw at the listener party it's on the website blah, blah blah best photo of us ever taken best photo of me ever taken hands down she had it made into checks so like and she said today i got new checks today i had to share uh they are real checks it says janice that is amazing how cool is that that is very cool i mean very cool it's like i mean not to be about like how cool we are but that's like last week when we saw ourselves on that Jones soda bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that you know it's uh, there are folks who are you know perhaps uh, you know more more widely known. I guess I'm, mm-hmm. you know we're not whatever, but but that's but that's kind of some cool stuff. That's you don't really
2: neat. I want to get checks with our faces on us. <laughs> see, you can do that though. I don't think I
1: could. That's well, like...
2: the only person that would ever see him is my landlord. That's that's like <laughs> it would me. I had that big picture and of my jet, own jet who I split my internet with. That's <laughs> it. That.
1: That that big picture of me that I had in the office, I mean, that's sort of good as a gag. I don't know that I could really get these checks, but um, it's how cool is that? It's outstanding. I mean, that's well, Janice is a super rad girl. She really is. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. And then uh, it's made out to one dollar. Thanks so much. So um, I don't know. I'll put this here in the studio. I'll tack this up on the wall or yeah. something so we can see it. So anyway, so thank you, Janice. Thank um, you. Janice. All right. Uh, Would well,
2: you have one more break to knock out, considering we missed like three?
1: Yeah. Well, let's before. do that. Let's do that. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Yeah. All right, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven. Top of the hour, all the way through. Lycus, like Lycus like is next. Mike O'Mara show at seven. We'll be back to wrap it up after this. If you'd like to sneak on before the end of the show, you can do it at five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you'd like to get on before the end of today's program.
2: good point that you brought up earlier i'm sorry finish your little spiel and we can talk.
1: i don't even remember what my point was
2: i was gonna say when did we become the most normal people <laughs>
1: totally yeah i have never felt so square all right
2: oh, i feel totally boring <sighs>
1: uh-huh well in any event it's uh yeah we now enter the saddest part of the broadcast and dead the final segment of the rick emerson show uh if you'd like to uh, sneak on before the end of hell, do we have a couple minutes Mm-hmm.
2: Like three, three
1: and a half minutes. Like to come on before the end of the program. You can uh, join us at 503 733 We'll get uh, random phone calls here till the end of the show. 503 733 2970, coming up at uh, three. Like us, Michael Mara Show at seven and uh, so forth. Oh, tomorrow, I don't know where we're going to I was going to say we'll do the top five, but I don't know what the hell the top five will be tomorrow. Um, oh, coming up later on this week, and then we'll get these calls. Don't forget. Uh, all this week, we are giving away uh, pairs of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday. Tickets on sale now through all Ticketmaster outlets. Also, uh, WWE Night of the Champions prize packs. And coming up later on, Glorious Bastard of the Week this week. Uh, the Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, will actually win uh, the Nature Boy Ric Flair three-disc DVD set. So, more to come on that. All right. It's 503 Why, hello, who might this be?
8: Uh, this is Greg.
1: Hello, how are you, sir?
10: I'm well, Rick. Thanks. Hey, I just want to say about George Carlin, and I'll make it quick. You know, I'm not a real big fan of of his comedy per se, you know, with the cuss words and things. But, uh, you know, my son is a four-year-old. He watches a cartoon that you guys won't be aware of because you have children called uh, Thomas the Tank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. Carlin, Carlin narrates. Yep some of those, and, you know, 7.30 last night, I read, I was bummed out, my son's getting ready to go to bed, he wants to watch this, and there's Carlin, and I know it's a cash grab and whatever, but he's selling it, and my son's getting the kick out of it, four years old, and I'm just going, man, you know, that guy really reached a lot of people, and it's it's a a sad
1: day. George Carlin, Mr. Conductor, Shining Time Station. Thanks, Rick. Yes, thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, Let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Are you
9: talking to Ed? Yes.
7: Okay. Are you referring
1: to yourself in the third person?
7: I am. George. Okay. <laughs> There's a brief hiss there. I wanted to call about the reptile man. We've had him at our house for twice now for birthday parties for small children. And it's the first of all, the kids are hilarious. All the
9: adults, Rick, are you? We're behind the furniture.
1: Excellent. See, so I'm not alone. I'm not yeah. a, Sarah was it, mocking me for being like a screaming 50s housewife. So you're saying, I can't wait, to to t- back
9: off I can't wait till
2: people could see the video footage of how ridiculous Rick was. Though. I was a, I he was, was a complete. Planned, he was in the dark corner on top of our refrigerator. Huddled, screaming because he didn't want to get near his microphone.
7: I, I'm the same way. I, I grew up there with no snakes. I grew up in Hawaii. We didn't have any snakes, no reptiles at all. Yeah. And then this guy brings fifty of them to my house. Oh, no,
1: Sarah was way braver. I at one point was so hidden, so far back in the corner that I wasn't kidding. I literally tripped and I fell into. We have these like <laughs> closets covered by drapes. I actually fell into the closet.
7: I did similar things at the house, but he's a great guy. He does a great job with kids. I'll give him a shameless plug. It's a a great experience for a birthday.
1: Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello.
10: Yeah, hey, Rick. Dante, the cab driver here. What's up? I'm wondering if anybody else caught what was going on on Lycus. I heard some reruns over the weekend, and I heard
9: him blow groceries.
1: Oh, yeah, Lycus drank the, the Cobra snake whiskey. Uh, yeah. That richie himself a dragon they did it right at the end of it wasn't in the tasting room it was on his regular show and then we had the best of uh, he put it off that he had a guy like a liquor guy come into the studio with him as he sometimes does and they put it up the very end of the show and all the dudes on the show did shots of the cobra whiskey and i think they all hurled
10: oh yeah it was yeah. awesome fantastic by the way as a final note on today's show good night funny
1: man thank you we'll miss you george bye now Bye. Here you go one more hi you're on the rick emerson one more yes two yeah, yeah. or hi you're on the rick emerson radio program hello
3: talker yes sir rick play it for me oh oh, i'm
1: sorry i didn't i'm sorry i thought you were were... i barely knew her sorry about that all right thank you thanks rick thank you all right we'll call it a day there Okay, no time to be fair to another caller, so uh, it is 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the program. Like us next, Mike O'Mara's show at the 7. We want to thank uh, the Reptile Man for coming in, Richard Ritchie, OregonReptileMan.com. Also, Steve Kastenbaum, Bob Costantini, and James Roop. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM nine seventy seven Solid State Radio. And the newsroom. I said it, I said Solid Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the folks, Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zen, and the web, ministers- web mistress is Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering. Brian Jones, CBS Radio, Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Donak with me, Reynolds, as always, my friends. Thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Really, watch out for snakes. Seriously, no fooling. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now.
0: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God, if God exists, say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Now we're going to have some fun around here.